Welcome to It's All Connected, a Marvel Studios podcast brought to you by MCUExchange.com. It's all connected. Everything. Hey everyone, we're back. This is episode 88 of It's All Connected. This is Russ and Matthew. Hey, good, good to be back. Good to be back on a Saturday morning as we record this. Yeah, finally uh, catching up on, on lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah, between work travel and work, uh, last week was not a good week to record, so yeah. uh, I kind of got behind a little bit on watching an episode so I could take some notes and making sure I catch up. So we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, this is probably going to be a long episode, if you haven't noticed by the uh, size of the file or the, the timestamp on it. Um, but we're going to do a little bit of news. Luckily, there's not a lot of news. Uh, we're going to talk the first third of Daredevil Season 2. So this will be Episodes 1 through 4. Uh, we're gonna, I think we're going to break this up into three. We kind of, as we watch the whole season, we, we kind of, you know, Matthew made a good point that it's really kind of like three a three-act play thing going on. So, yeah. So we... We'll split it up. We'll do probably four, five, and four, or something like that. Um, and then uh, we will talk about the last two episodes of Agents of Shield, Parting Shot, and Watchdogs. Uh, so lots to cover. So we'll we'll hit right into the news. Uh, and the biggest piece of news that I have written is uh, Jessica Henwick has been cast to play Colleen Wing. Which, if you've ever watched Game of Thrones, especially last season, she was one of the Sand Snakes. Uh, yeah, I almost didn't even recognize her when the casting thing went out. Yeah. And it said she was in Game of Thrones, and I was like, who? I had to like read a few sites before it was like, you know, she plays one of the Sand Snakes. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, did not recognize her, but. So they definitely got somebody that has some... Uh, martial arts or some action chops. Yeah, least. apparently so that's she good. had to go through six months of bullwhip training for her part in Game of Thrones, I read. Which is crazy. Yeah, and she, the first role she ever had was like a, a BBC series where she had to learn wushu, uh, I think it was. So she's, yeah, she's already got martial arts and weapon training. Um, and she was uh, an X-Wing pilot in Force Awakens. Yes, yes. Uh, it was, you know, a little small part, I think, in that final run. Yep. You know, the, you know, uh, Starkiller run. She was up there. So, yeah, she's definitely, she's got all sorts of franchise chops, that's for sure. Yeah. And the skills. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. And that's one of those things that a few weeks ago, I know, MCU Exchange and uh, that hashtag show, that was our sort of, like, um, scoop that we had that they were going to be casting her. So I'm kind of surprised that that's the second official casting announcement we got. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we haven't heard of any other characters. We haven't yet heard about Shang-Chi, but Marvel finally, I, I think since we last recorded, Marvel finally came out and confirmed Finn yes. Jones was going to be Iron Fist, which yes. we were like, yes, we knew that. But, you know. And the September date got confirmed as well for Luke Cage. I think last time we recorded, we kind of reported it as somewhat yep, rumorish. I, yeah, I, and I was like I, I was I was willing to bet money that it wasn't true <laughs> just cuz it didn't it didn't make sense but I mean you know we got that we got that teaser I guess I guess that's another sort of like side piece of news. Yeah. Um 
but yeah, so September 30th, it's it's happening. We're gonna we're gonna get a lot of new Marvel TV right at the end of September, yeah. beginning of October. So, be interesting to cover it. Yeah, we're gonna. We might be talking about Most Wanted, Shield, and Luke Cage all in weekly episodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then we'll throw in uh, then, Doctor Strange when yep, it comes shortly out after too. that. Yeah, that's going to be a very busy time for us. Yeah. Those are probably the movie stuff. We'll probably do as like separate episodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I might even might, the shows. Yeah, we might just have to have, come up with a slightly different format to cover that many things at once. Yeah, the, it's like those D, the DC guys. We'll know how they feel. Yeah, exactly. I think for the movie stuff, we might just kind of just in, I might uh, recruit some additional members to kind of join us in to have a conversation about that. Yeah, yeah, that would be great about the movies. Yeah, the, the movies definitely need their own. Yeah, their own discussion. So we'll definitely we'll definitely dive into that. So uh, sticking on the TV front, it looks like Rael Tucker has been ca- er, cast has been hired as an executive producer for Jessica Jones season two, and some of her EP credits include True Blood and The Returned. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've so the Returned. I, I is, haven't seen the Return. I've actually seen some of the French, the original French version. Yes. Of the show, but I have not seen the the new one. <clears throat> yeah, and it got canceled after one season on A and E. So, Ooh, okay, there won't be any more return. Uh, it, which is funny because it won't be returning. It won't. The return will not be returning. Uh, but yeah, I watched the first season of the French version of it, which was very good. Uh, I think it was like seven episodes or eight episodes. Yeah, my wife and I watched a few, and I think we got distracted by some other show. But yeah, I want to go back and watch it. It was really good. Yeah, they recently put up season two of the French version. So oh, okay, cool. Yeah, which is cool because the season one ends on a pretty big cliffhanger. So okay, uh, I, I, I need to go back to it because I'm curious to see how they work their way out of it. Uh, so yeah, so that we're picking up steam on Jessica Jones season two, which is yeah, it's bizarre. interesting that <laughs> I, I didn't think we would hear anything about it, but again, it's it's sort of feeding into some of the stuff we've been talking about that that it may just be that we do get a season two of Jessica Jones before the Defenders, um, because you know obviously they're working on it, like bringing in an ex- I mean we still have Melissa Rosenberg heading things up, but the fact that they're you know, hiring somebody else to work on it seems like why would you do that if if we're still you know a year and a half out from second season of Jessica Jones? Right. So, right. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see if that sort of picks up a little bit of steam too. And then, of course, with the Iron Fist casting being official, it it seems like that is probably ramping up production. So, you know, again, we don't get Luke Cage until the end of the year, so it's unlikely that we're going to get iron fist until next year. Yeah. And you know, I really don't think they would drop it just like at the end of December or something, but who knows? But, um, but yeah, it is sort of making me wonder if we're maybe like iron fist at the big, very like January or something. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe we're not going to get seasoned by daredevil. Yeah. Maybe we won't get season three of daredevil in the spot, but you know, Netflix is usually pretty good. We talked about this before about keeping Mm -hmm. that, you know, that, that window, you know, we know, you know, House of Cards is always the same, you know, Orange is, Orange is the New Black is always in June. Like, they, they tend to keep these things on. Right, but, you know, Daredevil has, it did bump up a whole month, so I, yeah. it's, it kind of throws things in a question a little bit with, and, and, you know, we're, we're what, two weeks out from Daredevil? Yeah. 
And we we haven't heard that immediate, you know, season. I mean, it's a safe bet they're getting a season three, but yeah, we haven't heard about it, you know. So I, I don't know. It, it, it it's interesting because my thought was that Daredevil's so popular that they'll keep wanting to pump that out every year and around the same time. But then again, I think they were maybe blindsided by just how popular Jessica Jones was. So yep. I think they they want to sort of strike on on that momentum too. So, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Defenders, everyone's excited for it, but people like us are excited for it. Whereas with Jessica Jones and Daredevil, like, the average audience who's into those, they just want another season. They don't want to wait two years because, what, there's some other show where they, you know, I I just think that's kind of, that's kind of something confusing. So it it sort of makes more sense to, to capitalize on at least one more season of, like, Jessica Jones and then seg into that but you know who knows yeah i mean for me these shows are so well done i'm totally fine with if they pushed out defenders indefinitely yeah Um, me too i'm not i'm not antsy for that at all yeah i mean i still wonder how it's how a a team up would even work between all these characters so i'd much rather them get to that place organically than do it just to do it yeah so agreed but it's moving quick, so I mean, who knows? By the time we record the next episode, we could yeah, yeah we could have like a release change. date for Iron Fist or Jessica Jones or something. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, so that's pretty much all we have on the TV front. On the movie front, uh, we just got a couple quick things. Uh, one is there's some casting rumor stuff. Again, head over to MCUExchange.com where there's a there's a full article on this, but we'll just kind of touch on it. Um, these characters or these actors and actresses have been talked about before. Um, Elizabeth Debicki, Tommy Flanagan, and Chris Sullivan. And it uh, looks like we may have some more details about each of those. Uh, the The word on Elizabeth Debicki is she may be playing Paragon or Kismet, uh, which in the comics she's kind of like a female version of Warlock, of mm-hmm. Adam Warlock. She's got the gold skin and, you know, the blonde hair. And and their origins sort of, like, connected. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, very cosmic, which would definitely fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Tommy Flanagan uh, is playing a character. We, uh, there's a, a lot of word that he's part of the Ravagers. I think that's still uh, that's still. I think it's still possible. Yeah. Even given the the character. Yeah. So the character is is named Tulik, and uh, he's kind of like almost like a. He showed up in the Annihilation comic series. I don't know if 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 any of the or Matthew, if you've read it, or any of the listeners have read any of the Annihilation stuff. I haven't. It's pretty good. I mean, it. Uh, some people kind of criticize it a little bit for being slow, but I liked Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, and then War of Kings, which kind of like. Uh, there's also Realm of Kings, which followed up with that. But but if you, but Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, and uh, War of Kings kind of reestablished the Guardians. So you know the in in the modern era when it comes to the comics, the Abnett and Lanning run of Guardians of the Galaxy is kind of like heralded as like this this it unfortunately it didn't last very long it only lasted like 25 issues it it the sales weren't really good but critically it was very very well regarded um and yeah it, i read the i read sort of like the first i think arc or two of just their run yeah um after the movie came out i went and like check that out yeah so those runs are kind of responsible for bringing like they brought back peter quill and you know it just mm-hmm. kind of it kind of gelled everything together Mantis was a prominent character. Yeah, yeah. So Tulik was kind of hired uh, to go after Ronan, 
so he shows up in in the Annihilation Ronin miniseries. He he didn't last very long. Like he showed up in issue one and was killed off in issue two. So uh, they may be just taking the name, right? Yeah, because it seems like again we sort of we we've touched on this, but he he made a big deal of saying he was only going to introduce like two new characters. Yeah, uh, and we already know that that's not true, just based on all the casting, you know, that we've had. Um, so yeah, I, I do wonder if some of these are just sort of like smaller, like you know, they'll serve a larger role in the film than their character did in the comics, but right. they're also just sort of getting a comics name just to make them sort of like connected. Sure, because you know it makes sense. We got we were mostly focused on Yondu as a Ravager. So it kind of makes sense to like flesh that group out a little bit and maybe give us like another member that has like some personality and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely still think that's possible that he'll just be a kind of more prominent member of the Ravagers. And then, you know, the Paragon thing could just be, you know, as much as we're dealing with a lot of cosmic stuff in guardians of the galaxy, we haven't really had a sort of cosmic level, uh, you know, a cosmic powered, uh, character so that that could be the the case of introducing someone who sort of like represents that power set yeah um which you know we'll see eventually with captain marvel yep uh and the last bit chris sullivan uh the rumor is he's playing a character named Taserface, which goes back to the 1980s early 80s uh jim valentino uh, Guardians run where it was the Guardians of the year 3000 not the Guardians like in the current you know time frame so mm-hmm. kind of like an older character that they're dragging up to to bring in who knows how much resemblance again it's gonna that character is gonna take to his comic counterpart yeah and I actually saw something that one of our people posted in like our our messaging group that back back when the first Guardians was being filmed, MTV posted a like an interview with James Gunn where he was he wasn't revealing who was in the film, but he was saying that Taserface definitely wouldn't be in the film. Right, right. So like that's a character he explicitly called out. It's like that character won't be in the film. So it'd be funny if, you know, this time around he's like, well actually maybe I will put Taserface in <laughs> It's kind of he's done. I, I love James Gunn. He's like very active on social media. He's posting mm-hmm. up a lot of stuff. I don't know if you caught his. I just happened to catch it. You know, being working from home and can see this stuff kind of float through on Facebook. But he did like a. He was on a break from shooting for like twenty minutes while they redressed a set, and so he went back to his trailer with his girlfriend and just fired up the. I don't know if it was some sort of Instagram thing or if it was a. Uh, 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 whatever he just fired up and just kind of pointed his his phone at himself and just took questions you know people were just kind of like running stuff at him and and uh, it's just kind of he's just kind of a funny character uh yeah yeah and he's been every every week every wednesdays he's putting up little storyboards that he draws yeah they're like the vaguest pencil sketches of like the scene but it's still like an interesting little thing and and the the one this week was actually um you can't make out like anything at all it's like three little figures but it's it has the line it has like a line about star lord's father being like an angel or something so um just you know further further confirmation that they're definitely you know doing something with his father and you know that of 100 percent, it's going to be um oh my god russell Kurt Russell, thank yeah. you. I was like about to say Michael Douglas, and I was like, that's not right. Close. 
Yeah, there's always you know there's always an older, venerable, white male actor in a Marvel franchise. <laughs> yeah, this is everyone. It's gonna be you can get them mixed up a little bit, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we'll see. Uh, you know how that shakes. Yeah, out. nothing official yet nope. on casting, nope. other than um, Palm Clementine uh, Clementine yeah. playing Mantis. That's yeah. that's the only official thing we've gotten for new characters. So. Yeah. Yeah, and the last bit of news, and I take this as just one of those anything can change kind of things. But I guess Hiddleston has been making the rounds. Uh, he's got that AMC series, that that mini series coming out with uh, with the guy that played House on uh, on on TV, and uh, and I guess a new movie coming out. He's got, he's he's in something, but yeah, he's been doing the rounds. But I I wasn't positive what, what he was doing it for. High Rise. That's what it is. High rise. Oh yes, yes. I, I think he's been kind of okay. doing the round. But the night manager yeah. is what he's doing, uh, coming on AMC, and I think it starts in a couple. Oh, of weeks. that's right. That's yeah, right. which is based on the John Le Carre novel. So it's kind of like the spy thing um, with Hugh Laurie. Yeah, Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so that looks really good. AMC does a lot. Of, funny enough, Elizabeth Debicki is in that uh, show. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, so a little bit of connection there. But anyway, yeah, they've all been crossing paths a lot. All these actors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so one of the things he said was he pretty much thinks that Thor Ragnarok will be his last turn as Loki, which doesn't really surprise me overall, but, you know, because people are like, oh my god, I can't believe he's not in Infinity War. I never really expected him to show up, but again, money talks and things change, and uh, Hiddleston is so popular in that role that Mm -hmm. if they narratively can find a reason for him to be in it i'm pretty sure that they'll be able to sign him to to show up yeah i think so too especially because he always sort of has a smaller role and he seems one of those people who's like the most game for for that role you know yeah i mean it's like catapulted him so yeah um yeah and there was another little thing he did yesterday where he went on like a local news channel like yes, a local fox channel and like yes. gave, gave a weather report and yeah. blamed a tornado on thor it was pretty good yeah yeah so yeah i mean he seems like he just has fun being that character and stuff so yeah i mean i'm if if they keep casting him and they they have like a legitimate reason for him to be in it and not just like hey everyone loves you know tom hiddleston's loki yeah then then i'm down but you know i i get it it's like he is sort of an anomaly in that he's this, he's like a villain character, but he's been around as much as a lot of the hero characters. Yeah. Which he's the only example of that since, you know, Marvel likes to kill off all their villains. So, yeah. Um, it, it's sort of an interesting thing. You do wonder, like, how, how long could he stick around, you know, as a character? And, and, and if it's his last movie, are they going to, like, kill him? Or, I mean, and Loki's one of those ones that would be really easy if down the line you needed to recast it because he's sort of gone, you know, one with his trickster thing, the other with the Asgardians being reborn. And then in the comics, you know, he's had that whole female thing. Well, the female thing and where he was young. Yeah. Where it becomes like the young version of himself. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot of possibilities. I mean, you could easily do a thing where he dies and then, you know, a while later, especially if you want to do something like young Avengers or runaways or just any sort of like younger thing, you could throw in like a a teen Loki and have it be a completely different person that you yeah. know like loosely looks like Tom Hiddleston and and there you go. And I actually 
um, actually love the young Loki version from the comics. So um, especially from like young Avengers and the Thor run and stuff. So I'd be super stoked for that as much as I also love Hiddleston. And then you can have Hiddleston pop up as a cameo every once in a while as like the older version who the young Loki sometimes interacts with. So that's kind of like the easiest one. I feel like if they needed to like reboot the character or whatever, Yeah, yeah. there's like a comic reason that would make that really easy to do. So that's the news. Like I said, not, not too much, uh, not too much going on. Not, nothing big. Uh, there, you know, there's been some new stills, uh, you know, s- some new trailer stuff for Civil War, but nothing, mm-hmm. nothing worth talking about. I wouldn't. Yeah, think. nothing major. I mean, yeah, go check it out. Go. Yeah. MCUExchange.com. You can see all the little bits. But yeah, in terms of discussion, I mean, I think those were kind of like the the big, the big discussion points. Yeah, we're about thirty days away uh, as we record. Yeah, pretty oh close my to God, it. So. I cannot believe it. Yeah, we're so getting there close. close. So everybody's kind of speculating too on Doctor Strange trailer. I, my or money is teaser, on teaser at least. Yeah, I mean, my money is on the week. So if Civil War comes out on Friday, Thursday night, whatever, I think Tuesday or Wednesday they'll drop a trailer for it because it'll. I think it'll show with the movie, but for whatever reason, they they tend to drop those things prior to the. Mm-hmm. They, they always get out before the before the actual. Well, yeah, I mean, we had the first Civil War one was what December. I think so. Yeah, so I mean, that's like six months out. You know, by the time we get to uh, May, that's a that's only like five months out. You know, I mean, or, so yeah, it seems like they've got to they've got to put something out. You know, I mean, they haven't dropped the teaser or anything. So, yeah. and I mean, they don't really do that so much anymore. I mean, the first thing with Cap was, you know, like an extended teaser trailer, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So it seems like, yeah, something that's like a few minutes and like gives a tease of like what to expect, especially because with Civil War, I mean, so many of these characters are like established, but with Strange, like, you know, obviously Marvel has a great track record with Guardians and Ant-Man and stuff, but still, you want to get out ahead of this and be like, yep. you know, this is a very, it's a different thing for them. I mean, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is pretty big, but still, you know, you got to, his movies don't do like super well or right. anything. So, yeah. So I would expect that sort of promotion train to start rolling. And obviously once Civil War is out, like they'll go into it like crazy. But right. yeah, I don't know how we don't get it. I don't know how they're not going to want to put a teaser in front of one of the biggest move, probably the biggest movie of the year. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, I think I can't think what's going to top Civil War. Rogue One, maybe. Yeah, I maybe. I, I wonder about that. I'm not. I'm curious to see how how that pans out. You know, I mean, it's a Star Wars thing, but you know, because of the it's a spinoff, it's not going to have a lot of the original people. You know, I. I think it'll come close, and and Batman vs Superman is surprisingly doing well. Um, but I, I still I still have a feeling like given Marvel and the Captain America movies track record, like that's gonna. I think those numbers are going to be Avengers level. So, but true, yeah, we'll see. All right, so I guess we'll get into Daredevil first. So yeah. season two, I. I had to go out of town the following week from when it aired, so I had to rush and make sure I got it watched that weekend because I was heading out Monday. Yeah, uh, I actually watched it all. I was able to successfully, normally with the binges, they're kind of spread out, but I actually got it all in pretty much in the weekend. So, 
I got a proper binge in for yeah. it. Yeah. And then of course I had to go back and and rewatch most of it so I could actually take notes and kind of know what to look for, but uh I could kind of bounce around a little bit on uh, when I do that. So uh so like I said, we'll talk about the first four episodes of season 2. Um Overall, what did you what did you think overall? Like, do you think on par with season one, better than season one? I think way better than season one. Uh, I, you know, I I mean, I loved season one, um, and and I've talked about how I, you know, like Jessica Jones even more. But you know, the more I think about them, they're they're just such totally different shows. So I can't really like. It's hard for me to compare like one to the other. But in terms of like Daredevil, I I definitely think they they elevated everything. I mean, the fight scenes, the the characters to me were, I mean, they took characters that like foggy and Karen that I didn't really think had a whole lot going on the first season. And they just like gave them so much more depth on top of introducing, you know, a few more characters and, and pretty instantly, like, I mean, it takes us a few episodes of getting to know Frank, but in one episode, we immediately get to know Electra and like by the end of the episode I'm like I love this character so yeah I just and in terms of the superhero elements the comic book elements you know the genre type of stuff I feel like they really ramped that up the MCU connection I just really feel like they took everything that I already loved and they just like really elevated it into something new I felt like the story was a lot more streamlined um so yeah uh, personally I I enjoyed it you know even more than I enjoyed the first season uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think there was more. I, I think the story and the kind of mystery behind what was going on with the Punisher was a lot more interesting. I wasn't. We talked about this back when we did Daredevil, but I wasn't the biggest fan of D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk. Uh, right, campaign. and I, I've I've said the same sort of thing. Yeah. So I think I think he was used much more effectively and felt a little more like the kingpin in this season. Agreed. Um, and just just because of where he was character wise and we'll, yeah. we'll get to that when we when we and i guess I, I mean i guess we didn't really talk about this but like jessica jones i'm assuming we're sort of taking the tact that like we're talking about the first four but yeah but we can't pretend we haven't seen the whole thing so exactly exactly so if you ha- so we though we're not going to technically get into the discussion of the later episodes if you haven't seen them i guess we should say spoiler alert because yeah we're not going to shy away from maybe you know jumping to to how some of these things in so so yeah i guess just make sure i get that out of the way before we no <laughs> yeah, good, a, yeah good some sort of crazy bomb i guess the kingpin one's a little i mean you know it's not really a spoiler but yeah you know but yeah we'll have I, i'll have a lot to say about that when we get to that uh agreed yeah um but the first first episode is titled bang which i thought was an awesome title especially <laughs> once we get to the well, end of the yeah. episode but it was a great payoff, like yeah. episode long payoff. <laughs> it just had this cool open. It it you know it opens. What's funny in, in this is I put this in my notes. I was like, man, there's a lot of water towers in this in this show. Yeah. Like every time you look around, there's like rooftops and there's water towers. Everywhere. Yeah, I will say, having lived in New York, there are a lot of those water towers. Around. Yeah, it's it's weird, and you're like, why are those there? But they, they there are a lot of them. So. I'll uh, give him, I'll give him that. Give if you haven't seen Dirty that. Jobs with Mike Rowe, watch the Dirty Jobs episode of Mike Rowe and them replacing the water towers, and they'll go into Ooh. the whole explanation of why they're needed and and how they're done and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's uh it's fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we you start off, we get Matt doing his Daredevil thing, and I love 
the the boomerang thing with the billy clubs. Yes, uh, the, yes, it, they use that so effectively this yeah. season. Uh, you know, he kind of had them a little bit last season, but I was very, very pleased that they. Because again, that's one of those things that realistically, there's not a you know, there's the physics of it doesn't really add up. But it's one of those comic okay. book sort of <laughs> things. Yeah, it's like you've got to give them a little bit of heightened abilities, and so I thought that was very fun. I the show just seemed. Each one of these shows seems more and more comfortable being comic booky. Yeah, you know, it's it's a similar thing the CW sort of went through with like Arrow going into Flash. You know, mm-hmm. it, it had to start out really like dark and gritty, and like the longer they've gone on and the more popular they get, I think they feel a little more comfortable. And and this season really, you know, especially with his club, I mean, you know, without jumping ahead too much, like obviously we get a very comic book friendly version of his, yeah. you know, main weapon. You know. Um, but yeah, all the, all the little times you would bounce it off of stuff. I, I it just made me so giddy cause it adds a little layer of fantasy to like the, that in his costume to mm-hmm. the whole like grittiness so that it doesn't become overwhelmingly like dark and oppressive, you know? And it wasn't all the time. Like there are times when he threw the billy club and, and it fell on the floor and he had right. to Right. It's not like Cap up. Shield where it comes back to him every time. Right. Right. <laughs> Which um, is, like, again is good. Or Mockingbird who has like magic you know, baton returners, but yeah, she's got the, maybe, looks. maybe they should talk though. Maybe yeah, daredevil should, you know, get some of those, but <laughs> I guess that wouldn't fit at all. Yeah. The, the, uh, the opening title credit scene was the same. I, I was hoping that mm-hmm. maybe we would get a little tweak to it, but yeah, I didn't mind only because I love those. Oh, me too. Credits. Yeah. Oh my God. Me I, too. I, I'm not, you know, I'm one of those people who, I'm not really a fan of opening credits. Like I, I love lost for introducing the idea of just showing a title card and like moving on. But the, they, they make a case for like a good opening credit sequence, you yeah. know? Um, and I was, you know, I was somewhat, I was pretty, the only one of my biggest disappointments with Jessica Jones was just that their opening credits was, I thought was, were very uninteresting but yeah i agree it's hard to top that daredevil one so yeah i mean they could have maybe like switched up some of the things that are in it but yeah yeah, i feel like they're not going to top that so they're kind of like let's just stick with this this is it's not going to get any better than this it's probably unnecessary expense too it's like okay this is oh yeah i'm sure yeah to retool this but um, but yeah yeah. that's a lot of a lot of work goes into that Uh, and i love you, you know you mentioned it earlier is just we get more foggy more Karen Page. They yes. feel way more fleshed out this season than yeah, last Yeah, they had their own storylines, yeah. you know. And Foggy, oh my god. I mean, to, I think he got the the biggest shrift. Because yeah. even last season, Karen was going and doing a lot of stuff with Yurik. Yeah. But Foggy was really just, until that episode where he finds out about Matt, you know, he really was just there for kind of like comic relief and mm-hmm. stuff. And, and that was great. I mean, he was great at that. But right out of the gate this season, like, him... There's a couple of, of episodes where he just like goes into like lawyer mode mm-hmm. and he just like crushes whoever he's talking to. And I was like, oh, my God, I love Foggy. Like he's so especially because Matt wasn't really doing that this season. Um, it was great to see Foggy really step it up as like the super quick witted lawyer, you know, when he like takes down Reyes. Um, I don't know if that was like two episode two episode or three two, or something, yeah. but. Yeah, when they're in the police station, and it, that was so great. And just, uh, you know, later when he's in court and stuff. And he just has a lot of moments where he just really, like, crushes it, you know, and shows, like, that he's a valuable member of the team and of Nelson and Murdoch. And, yeah, so that 
just elevating him um and of course karen had a ton to do as well it was just it's great because i worried that punisher and electra being introduced would sort of push out foggy and karen a bit you know yeah but they they did a remarkable job of of giving you know five plus characters like a, a you know each their own story yeah i just i love in that open where they're just walking down the street and it's like like people are recognizing foggy and they're like you know patting him on the back and you know they're it's it's just it's really cool to see him you know he went on this date with this barista and it didn't turn yeah, out so yeah. well but he you know, they just have this conversation about his dancing prowess and it's just it's it was just a really cool moment for the two of them especially how things ended up last season with them two being at odds mm-hmm. and obviously reconciling right yeah it was great to just i mean they're they're sort of that center of the show and and it was great to hear them like just banter and have that friendship and and again just moments of levity i mean even the opening is kind of like i mean for a while in the first part of the the episode you know we get even that opening is matt sort of enjoying himself Mm -hmm. almost being a superhero you know like he even has that like smirk at the end after he like stops everybody and then having him like be sort of friendly with you know foggy and then they get into the office and like things aren't great but they're still in high spirits and it was like, okay, that's good. Like, we need to keep a little core of that because if it's constantly, like, just, like, dark and depressing, then it's just like, ah, oh, what's the point? Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it, it was a great way to sort of reestablish everything within the first, you know, like, half of the episode before it gets really dark. <laughs> yeah. And I love the fact that they have this thriving law business that makes no money. Right. You know <laughs> yeah, it's packed. Like, there's tons of clients. Yeah, it's like, it kind of reminds pie. me of the the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, which was, you know, the funny part with uh, with John Favreau, where he's like, you know, he's like, you know, um, I, I, I feel like somebody should be, I forget what he put, but something about like a salsa dancer or something like that. Like, you know, people are just paying them in chickens and, and you know, and cookies and, yeah. you know, meat and things like that. But they've kind of gotten this reputation in the neighborhood as, you know, the right. do-gooders. So, um, But it, the one thing that surprised me, too, was that we got the Punisher right out of the gate that we – that he was there from the beginning. Like, I I wasn't sure mm-hmm. how they were going to handle him, if he was just going to be prominent for a few episodes and then disappear. Uh, and really, he was kind of central to the plot for the entire you – know, I mean, obviously, he goes away in the in the middle portion – Mm-hmm. To some degree, and as a you know, no, of... but this was definitely his like. I mean, the, the sort of reason we're breaking up these four episodes is there's a very like clear line between like yeah, these are like Matt and Frank episodes, and then they very definitively end with Electra being introduced yeah, at yeah. the end of the fourth episode, and that sort of shifts things. So yeah, I mean, it was a it was an interesting tactic, but yeah, I mean, I I I liked it. I. You know, I thought they did a great job of just, like, giving him this sort of, like, giving them this arc instead of peppering him in throughout. Like, it's like we got to him right away. We got to, like, learn about him and, you know, see how the two of them interacted and stuff. And and, and it was interesting that he's almost kind of like an urban legend at the beginning where they think it's literally an army. The public and most of the cops think it's an army that's doing this because, yeah. you know, we don't actually see the... Uh, the dogs of hell get attacked by 
the Punisher, but we see the whole bit with the Irish and, and right. that whole scene is kind of meant to show that because Matt was able to successfully drive everybody out and, and put the Kingpin away and get rid of the, you know, the Yakuza and, and get rid of the, you know, the Chinese and, and all this other and stuff. The Russians, going on, yeah. The Russians, there's a huge vacuum. And, right. And basically the, the Irish have come in to, to fill that vacuum. The dogs of hell have come in to fill that vacuum and the cartel. Yeah. The cartel. Yeah. Right. So it's just exactly, it's just like right back where they were. I mean, there's no like power, there's no like figurehead, you know, like there was with, you know, Fisk and like his sort of cabal. Right. But, but it's more chaotic because there's all these like sort of scrappy upstarts, like, fighting for their piece and, and it, there's no overall plan like with the with the kingpin right, he was right. creating chaos and to basically burn the place down to build it back up again right this right. is just typical turf gang war drugs right just get money get power yeah yeah you have your turf you're trying to make your mark you're you know that kind of thing uh and we see that the punisher has a vendetta against all these guys and what was cool is because the Punisher is a fairly well-known character, you're thinking, you know his origin, you right. know what's going on. You're you know just, why he's doing it. Yeah, but you just think, okay, he's looking to get rid of the crime. You know, he he, you know, the the mob, the you know, the the underworld. You know that that's kind of his beat, and mm-hmm. and so you don't really think anything of it. And then little by little, what they start to do is piece together that there's this huge conspiracy. Uh, going on with with you know the the police the district attorney's office the um you know the the criminals themselves and then how right. the and punisher then it's these fits in. specific it's like specific groups of criminals yes even. yes i thought that was such a smart decision yeah you know um you know i like punisher is a, it's a tough character you know I, I i've liked him in some ways but there's also a lot about him that fundamentally i I shouldn't like, you know, in yeah. like a real world context, like I wouldn't. Um, and I've read some comics that I think do a better job than others. But yeah, to me, the guy who just like constantly indiscriminately is just like, just murders any bad guy. Like I, there's nothing compelling to me about that. Um, so I thought they did a really, it was really smart for them to make it very, obviously it's always personal, you know, that his family was killed, but you know, they, you make it really personal by like it's more of a specific mission he's on you know um and it you know at first he just seems kind of like a monster but obviously as the season goes on and i'm not saying he doesn't still seem like a monster but you know you just learn so much more about like the circumstances so it it makes him an anti-hero kind of villain but you you know it's just like with Kilgrave, it's just like with fisk you know with loki i mean you you meant you don't like agree with them, but you but at least there's like a a humanity to them, or there's like there's some sort of depth to them, like that you understand, and like yeah. it makes it much more interesting to watch, and it makes it much more challenging for Matt and all the other characters to sort of reconcile like what to do about this person, you know? Yeah, and you see him kind of. I feel the Punisher in Episode One versus the Punisher in Episode Thirteen is not fundamentally different, but I think he's able to learn from Matt a little bit, and I, I agree. I don't think, I think he's so. going to stop killing, but I think he's going to be a little more judicious in his approaches and the way he goes about things. Like it's not just going to be quite as indiscriminate moving forward. 
Yeah, um, which I think you have to do or else he just becomes a serial killer. Sure, you know? sure. So it's got to be he's got to be a little more like Dexter so that you sort of like you question like whether you agree with him or not. You yeah. Know? Is, or is it better that like, this ah, person this is shitty? Yeah. Is it better? This person is in the world as opposed to not in the world kind of thing. You know, is, is he, is he removing more evil than that evil would perpetrate right. on everybody else? Kind of right. Thing? And you know, the, the show, I mean, they did a great job of that. I mean, there was a lot of moral and ideological like conundrums in the season way, way more than, you know, the first season was like, the difference between like Fisk and, and mad and, but it was a very vague thing. It's like, we want to make this city better. And it's like, how do you go about that? But, you know, clearly Fisk's way was so like ridiculous, you know, like you, it's, you're going to be hard pressed to find someone who agrees like, well, yeah, we should destroy the city. Yeah. To make we it should better, you know? Yeah. 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 So this one really, and I appreciate it because to me, why Jessica Jones resonated so much more is like uh, television was just that it dealt with such real issues you know i yeah. mean it dealt with some real stuff and it really surprised me that it did that i think this season of daredevil got much more into what it means to be a vigilante what it means to take the law into your own hands and it got into a lot of stuff with like violence and guns and stuff in this country so um and they didn't get into it quite as much as i thought they would but still i i appreciated it you know through all the you know awesome fight scenes and like sort of like superhero moments like there was this you know, just like the best comics, there was this sort of ideological moral conundrum that you're, you as the audience and the characters are all sort of like wrestling with. So, which to me is what made it like so much better than the first season. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And these first, you know, these first four episodes with introducing the Punisher, I mean, they, man, they just do such a great job. Um, especially like episode three and four are just phenomenal. Yeah. I like that the Turk is back. Always like yeah, the Turk. The Turk. It's great. <laughs> and he shows up again for every the moment road. he's around is great. Yeah. Yeah. I like that there's more Turk this episode this season than last season. Yeah. Uh, and and Brett Mahoney, Sergeant Mahoney had a much larger role this yeah. season than last season. I mean, he's promoted, he's made detective. They uh, just all around they did a great job of I really appreciated that virtually every character from season one that didn't die was and even some that did die were brought back and and given at least something more to do i mean it really it makes it feel like a world you know that you live in yeah you know it's not it's not a reset every season where it's like the same like three core characters and then a whole nother cat so it really felt like yeah it, it was just good to see turk and mahoney and like you know these other like side players like exist like this is their neighborhood this is their world like these are the criminals and these are the cop you know i mean it it felt more like one of those types of like cop you know law shows you yeah. know where you you've got some of the characters that you like know and you know the criminals who like well, they're you know obviously you don't like them but you know they're you know charismatic or something or you're like used to them and stuff so it's it's fun to see like just oh my god that scene between daredevil and turk was just so funny yeah yeah and then you know the the end of episode one as the title is bang you know punisher Mm -hmm. daredevil goes after the punisher they kind of have this roof chase fight sequence which all the fighting again top notch this season just like it was last season yep um but he um he he turns to the to Daredevil and says bang of course and shoots him in the head 
which throws Matt off the ledge, and you know we don't he it, he doesn't fall too far, but but falls, uh, and that's how the episode ends, uh, mm-hmm. which is awesome cliffhanger again for a binge watch show. You know that's the thing. You know, where it's like, okay, immediately we're watching episode two. <laughs> yeah, it's great because you're not – yeah. And, I mean, obviously Matt's not dead. You know, Matt's not brain damaged. That would be a really weird way to start a season yeah, of yeah. a show. But but it's still like you don't expect it. And it's like, well, that's crazy. I mean, and then is the is the Punisher just – you know, you almost think like, well, the Punisher like won't kill Matt. You know, like they at least kind of agree that they're both necessary or something. But – so you're like, oh, wow, maybe this is like a completely different version of the Punisher. He's just like, I like get out of my way, you know? Yeah. And then, of course, episode two opens with Foggy kind of hearing the aftermath of what's going, you know, what what happened. Mm-hmm. And he's freaking out because he knows it involved the Punisher or, or Daredevil. So he's, of course, worried about Matt. And, of course, he finds him, um, you know, laid out on top of this roof and is able yeah. to get him and then i guess after, somehow get him home they kind of skipped over that <laughs> yeah yeah well they, he mentions like hey what if someone had seen me dragging you home in that costume and it's like wait how it was the middle of the day he just like yeah. carried this dude home in a costume in a terrible costume yeah <laughs> but you know we'll, we'll we'll imagine they took back roads somehow yeah in they, new york. They, they were in the alleys people Those just, classic new york back roads yeah yeah what's funny is I, what I thought was cool is I guess it was after the credits rolled in the open, we get mm-hmm. this swirling perspective shot with Matt where he's laying on the couch, but when they open the shot, he's it's he like he's vertical, and then they right. slowly pan back and turn. It, it, I don't know. It's just it was like cinematically, I thought it was just very well done. Mm-hmm. And again, because he's disoriented, um, you know he they didn't just say, oh, he got shot in the head. He had this Kevlar, you know, crazy, you know, I'm sure it's some sort of plate in this Right, I mean, yeah, Melvin sort of, yeah, I mean, they, we've got to believe that this is some sort of, like, magic, you know, super bulletproof material that's still, like, flexible, but. Yeah. Which is fine, but there's a con, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there there was an impact from this. I mean, he, and this episode did a really cool job where he loses he basically loses his powers because he can't mm-hmm. hear yeah it, i mean it was it, they did such a good job of disorienting you as the audience too yes. and making you realize like how horrible like we're used to the fact that this guy's you know to us if we were blind all of a sudden like it would be the scariest thing in the world but to him he's so used to it and he does all these things that we can't even do that it's you sort of forget that in a way he still he does have this I'm not going to say like a disability, but, you know, there's just like a there's a, he's got a certain, you know, way that he can't interact with the world. And like, I'm glad that that is played up sometimes, you know, like is as awesome as he is at all these things. Like every once in a while, there's something that his other senses can't compensate for. And then with this, having him lose everything and just realizing that, like, you know, all the sound goes out and it's just like, whoa, imagine if just all of a sudden, like you're standing in your room and all of a sudden you can't hear, see, smell, you know, it's just, everything is gone. Like I, I just can't even imagine like how frightening that would be. So it was, it was really cool to, for him to almost have this like kryptonite moment. You yeah. Know? And Phil Abraham directed this episode. He directed episodes one and two of season yeah, two. Just like, just like last, the first season. Yeah. He was and, the one who directed the first two. Of and season of course, one. 
episode two for season one cut man was the you know the famous you know the single hallway cut fight. hallway yeah. shot so uh which wasn't in episode two of this one no no we'll get to that when we when we get to episode but three it, they did sort of mirror each other the first two did mirror each other in some ways you yeah because I mean? the last one is when matt goes after the russians and to get that kidnapped boy and then we open with him like in the dumpster and claire temple finding him and so this one's like foggy finds him and you know takes him back to his place and stuff so yeah there's definitely like parallels to some of the stuff from season one yeah one of the things that that was cool also another callback to jessica jones in this one is mahoney mentions clemens yeah no no, no. it was um it's it's another cop oh was it mahoney there's, no there's this other cop he's the cop who like cusses a bunch oh okay okay he goes and he checks out the punisher's crime scene and it's just like it's like this older dude, and he's just, like, cussing up a storm about, like, all the dead bodies and stuff. And then he he's the one who says, like, Clemens used to say, um, man, I forget what it is. It's yeah. some sort of, like, you know, like, salt of the earth quote or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was a nice. But we never see that cop again, I noticed. I thought maybe he was, like, a new character, but he was just in that one scene, and we never saw him again. And then there's a mention... I think this might have been Mahoney, but they talk about the hero proposition, and he's like, "Yeah, this oh, is why people people aren't on board with this hero proposition or on board with this hero proposition." He he, but it was cryptic, and I couldn't tell. I was like, "Okay, are they talking about the Sokovia Accords? Are they do they mean hero proposition in a generic sense, like right, like just people? The idea. Yeah, people aren't so keen on the fact that there are these heroes that are running around." Oh, as, that's interesting. A, I didn't. I didn't pick that up or notice that. Yeah, I I haven't seen anybody else mention that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that it, it could be. It could be the Segovia thing. So I wasn't sure, you know, and they never really mentioned it again. But it was no, kind of one of but those. There were a lot more references this season to like every to all the MCU stuff. Yeah, yeah. I felt like so it's I I I think that's definitely possible. Uh, and then of course they you know we find out that. Foggy and and company they take on uh, Grotto as as their client. He was the one that escaped from the Punisher's right, the reign survivor on, the, on the Irish. The Irish yeah. yeah, and so the DA is trying to you know again we don't know it now, but the DA has her own agenda mm-hmm. as to what's going on, and so she's trying to squash all of this. Right, uh, which it's clear that something's going yes. on. You know, like yes. she's she's being a huge pain you know, about everything and like just roadblocking everything they do. And it's like, okay, something, something's going on here. Yeah. So that's when we get this great moment of foggy. He's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. And then he's like, picks up his phone and she's like, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm calling the, the U S attorney's office. And he, and he's actually, right. Cause she comes in like all this swagger, like yes. I'm the DA. And he's like, well, you're a DA, you're a local DA. Why don't I call the DA and and see what they have to say about this? Yeah, he's like, I'm going straight to the feds. Yeah, and and you know they'll open an investigation. So it was just it was kind of cool because at first you're like, oh, Foggy's being typical Foggy, where he's you know kind of timid and not not so stand upish or whatever, and mm. and then he actually follows through, and then he kind of gives her this tongue lashing. Uh, and then impresses Karen with that, and it's it was just a really cool scene to see Foggy uh, stand up and and take down this DA. So there's a lot of there's a lot right. of cat and mouse going on this, 
you know this season with the the DA and and Foggy mm-hmm. and Karen and Matt. Yeah, and it was a great way to to you know there wasn't a lot of lawyering in the first season, right? So it, it, yeah, the, everything with the DA and with Punisher and all that was a a great way of like bringing in that law stuff, but justifying it. It wasn't just like a filler episode where like you know I mean if this was like an episode of TV that was like twenty something episodes, there'd be a bunch of episodes where they were just doing a case of the week, you know, and right. it would right it would have nothing to do with anything, but. But every, you know, every time they do something lawyery, it's always like relevant to the plot, but it still lets them be the characters they are, especially Foggy and Karen, who aren't, you know, also moonlighting as as superheroes. So and and it, I definitely think you could make a case for with Matt not being around, sort of like taking the the spotlight and being like the smooth talker and all that, that it gave a chance for Foggy and Karen to like step it up. Um, and for Foggy to like have that confidence to like be like, you know what, I, you know, I've got all this training too. You know, I went to the same school as Matt. And, yep. Uh, you know, I went to a lot more classes than he did. We learned, so you know, it's like I, you know, I can do this too. So yeah. And it was interesting too that because Matt is kind of out of pocket for a couple episodes here, you know, between the injury and everything else, and then Karen comes to see him and. Foggy basically tells her that he's an alcoholic and right. he's like, Oh, that's you're joking. Excuse. And he's like, what do you want me to say? Like, that's more plausible than, you know, than anything else I could come up with or right. the truth. Well, and it's also, you're putting the burden on me all the time. Like, yeah. why don't you give her an excuse? Like yeah. you're making me explain it. So that's what you get, you know? Yeah. And you know, that's something that recurs throughout the season is the, you know, how Matt is treating, foggy and karen yeah um and the answer is poorly Um, yeah yeah and then the the next note i have on my on my list is uh the punisher walks into a pawn shop uh, oh my god yeah this is a great scene uh a terrible scene but a great scene where he goes in and he's looking for basically surveillance equipment so he can listen to police bands and encrypted channels and things like that and uh, it gets this equipment and he gets what, you know, he pays for it and gets his, its thing. And just as he's walking out, the clerk offers him up child pornography. And at that point, he's like, okay, you know, I was just going to kind of go on about my way and leave. And he, you know, turns the sign around and, you know, that that's that's all there was of the, the pawn shop uh, owner. Yeah. Which, I mean, and they go they go out of the way to make sure you hate this guy extra more. Because, I mean, he also had a swastika tattoo on his neck. Yeah, yeah. Which they kept showing. So, which apparently wasn't enough for to evoke Punisher's ire. But, yeah. But after, yeah, all that. I mean, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, yeah, again, this is like this fantasy TV show. So, it's sort of a weird thing to say. It's great. But, you know, it is, it's an encapsulation of what makes the discussion behind Punisher so sort of like tricky is it's like yep. you know there's probably lots of people in this you know country who would say hey anybody who does that they deserve to die and here's this like to them that's a superhero you know this is a guy who like if you are into child pornography you get killed if you're into like you know drug running or whatever you get killed but um so so on this one hand you're like yeah but then you know you know, because it's fake and that guy isn't really dead because it's, yeah. it's not real. But, you know, when you bring that into a real world, that's when it comes tricky. And, you know, again, kudos 
to the show for sort of like uh you know bringing up a lot of you know sort of heavy issues and who knows where i you know i don't it's hard to say where you fall on them you know so, yeah 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 i mean it you know brings up questions of you know due process and constitutional rights and you right, know, all right. those things that regardless if you're the worst piece of trash on the face of the planet you're you know in in the united states you're you're guaranteed due process or you should be allowed due process right. and the chance to to change and repent and correct yourself i mean you know that's the whole basis behind a lot of our religions the whole basis behind our you know correctional facilities sure and then things like that so yeah it, it, and the idea of like well punisher kills people because they kill other people right where's that line you know he's still killing people but it's okay because they're people who killed people you know so it's like and again that's you know a discussion that goes on a lot in the real world yeah, so um yeah. it's uh yeah i mean it's yeah, they did. You know, they did a good job of that. Yeah. But within the reality of the show, you can kind of go, yeah, you know, that guy was, you know, he's got to go. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's good to see him pretend die. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, he's got to go. Yeah, uh, but it's cool. So Matt starts to kind of feel better, and he needs to investigate what's going on. And I like this little bit that we got where it's almost like the old season one or preseason one Matt as the as Daredevil, where he's got the hoodie. He's just kind of plain closed. He's mm-hmm. right, know, right. going and looking for clues. He he goes to Melvin. He goes back to Melvin Potter and says, "Look, you know, I basically ruined your costume. You need to make me another one." Yeah. And it, I like the Melvin that we're getting in season two. I think the Melvin in season one was a little too. He's they really sort of shifted him a little bit, not a lot, but no, a, no. But he felt a little more like with it. Yeah, like the first season, there was a lot of talk of, is he on the autism spectrum, you know, or something, you know, he would yeah. sort of have these strange mood shifts, he seemed to have sort of trouble, like, communicating and stuff. Yeah, very childlike. Right, right, and this one, there were little moments of that, but he, he seemed much more like, yeah, I don't know how to say it, but yeah, just like a little more, like, focused and like... Yeah, they dialed it back no- a little I don't want to say normal, but you know... Yeah, just, I, I think they just, yeah, dialed it back a little bit. And I thought that was, yeah. that was fine. So you still think there's, there's something with this guy, but, but at the Definitely. same time, you know, he's doing the right thing. And I thought it was just really cool. You know, he's looking over the costume and he's, you know, he's doing his, his thing and he's like, okay, yeah, I could do this. And it's going to be a couple days. And mm-hmm. you know, he's like, look, I'm, I, I, you know, I said, I wouldn't do this anymore. And you know, he said, well, I'm not a criminal. And he said, well, you're not the police either. So it, right. It was just, it was a really cool moment between, between, yeah, Matt and, 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 and again reminding us that like it's not just Punisher that we're questioning it's it's what Matt does as, as well yes. you know I mean yes. as much as he's for law and order being a vigilante is not I mean he's not appointed or you know nobody's like you know reviewing his activities or anything so it you know it still brings up a lot of questions and again Melvin's a great example of a character that they could have just introduced to give Matt a costume and then we could have never seen him again yep. you know and he comes back multiple times. Yes, and, you know, yes. I'm not saying we're ever going to have like a Melvin episode or something of Daredevil, but <laughs> yeah, but you know, it was again, it was great to like this cast of characters that he surrounds himself with, you know, and 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 you know, he's going to need some upgrades, and it, you know, it's like Cisco on the Flash, you know, like yep. you need this character. It's like it kind of you. We've got a lot of comic book 
you know, movies and shows where like the character magically just has this like awesome suit that they made somehow. So it's kind of good to have like, okay, well, let's say there's this one guy and he's an expert and you don't really need to know how he is. He's just like, that's just what he does. And that's who's going to give everyone their cool suits. And, you know, he does. He gives Daredevil cool one. He upgrades his mask, gives Elektra her, you know, suit later. I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll be outfitting all sorts of people in the years to come. He'll probably get, you know, forced into making some villains, some costumes and, you know. Yeah. So eventually Matt has to put the old costume back on. He's able to track the Punisher down like he, he, it's the dog, right? Like the dog, he picks up the dog scent and is able Mm -hmm. to, to follow along. And then he, oh, no, I thought he was picking up the blood, the blood from the dog, wasn't it? Oh, it was from the dog. Oh, okay. Interesting. I was, that makes a lot more sense. I was thinking it was blood from Punisher, but then I didn't really get when Punisher had been injured. Okay, that makes a lot more. That's even more interesting because he was tracking a dog, yes. like a bloodhound. Was. Yes, yes. Which oh, okay. I, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> I thought it was cool enough that he was just sort of being a bloodhound and like using his nose. But okay, I totally missed that. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah. So he's able to kind of get on the on the path and then get a hold of of the Punisher. Yeah. And... Well, and then he hears the like the police equipment going yeah. off. Yeah. And he sort of tracks him. Yeah. I mean. Again, a great use of his, like, senses. You yes. Know, not just his fighting ability, but, like, okay, he's, you know, sleuthing a little bit, you know. And while while all this is going on, you know, part of what we skipped over a little bit is Grotto was in the hospital. The Punisher comes after Grotto, and that's kind of when we get our first full look at yeah, the Punisher. Yeah, the first time we see him, yeah. Yeah, and he shoots it. Uh, he shoots at Karen and Grotto as they're getting away. They kind of make their escape. So as they're cutting a deal, as Nelson and Murdoch are trying to cut a deal for Grotto – the DA is also setting him up like they, they yeah, don't as like bait. Yeah. They don't for plan, the Punisher. Right. They don't plan on using him for the purpose. You know, they make him more a wire and go through all this bit. And foggy kind of has a little bit of crisis, crisis of conscience where he's like, this probably is really shady, but if truly this is the only way to get him off and get him into witness protection program and to get him out of here, then I really, this is, this is what we have to do. If it's mm-hmm. this or he goes to jail, I guess it's a little risky, but you know, this, this guy is, you know, he delves in that arena. So, you know, he's no stranger to, you know, being put in bad situations. Right. Um, so they set him up and uh, things go south. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, the Punisher obviously shows up to, to take care of everything. And um, Grotto ends up getting away. The Punisher, Daredevil finds the Punisher. And then it turns into this rooftop battle, which was really good because the cops are all shooting at the Punisher and Daredevil. And, you know, Foggy's freaking out because he knows that, you know, it's it's really mad up there. Karen's freaking out a little bit because it's Daredevil that's up there. And it, it just all this crazy stuff is is going on. Uh, and it, Yeah, and it's our second time that an episode ended with Frank about to kill Grotto, Matt stopping him, and then them fighting on a roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because was it the hospital thing in this episode or was it the end of the last episode? Because uh, doesn't when when Matt who is isn't Frank sniping someone when Matt first knocks him down and they start fighting in the first episode? I, I thought. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think because it was during the day, so it was. Was it during the day? No, it was That's at night. I it was at night. I think it was. Yeah. It was. At, oh, it was when they were going after Karen. It was. Grotto That's what I thought. And, I think he was. Yeah, I they got out of the hospital. hospital. Thing, yeah, I think that happened in the first episode. Yeah, and because I remember, I've been like, I was writing some of the reviews for the episodes for, um, and I remember 
thinking that it would be really funny if like every episode Frank tried to snipe Grotto and Daredevil stopped him every yeah. time. And that was just a running gag. Um, yeah, that's that was... how it happened two episodes in a row. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but we get to, you know, the second fight, but with the, uh, you know, the SWAT team, like also firing on both of them while they're fighting. And the Punisher picks up on the fact that Matt's vulnerable because, uh, mm-hmm. so Melvin was able to basically weld his helmet together. So it, it right. doesn't have that that weak point but and then the punisher takes advantage of that it, it, you know he hits him in the head and stuns him and he's able to get the better of matt matt's obviously not 100 percent at this point either mm-hmm. um and so again we get this really cool so when we get to episode three because matt's been knocked out um it opens with him having a vision of of a nun kind of taking care of him while he's in bed and obviously this is for those that that you know, know the comic character and the history and everything. It's his mother, when she left him became a nun. Um, Mm. so the mother, it it isn't outright said, but it's heavily implied. No, they never, they've never really talked about his mother at all. Yeah. That was a big thing is his mother left and became a nun. So she didn't, and it was very vague. And I don't think Matt, and at the time Matt never knew it was always implied that the father knew like, like Jack knew what happened, but kept it from Matt mm-hmm. uh, and Matt ends up finding out later in, in the comics much, much later. But so again, they've, they've, t- they've did this before, like in the first, in the first season, uh, when the nerd, when the nun comes in, they heavily imply that it's his mother. And so the same thing when he has his vision, it's, it's the same thing. Um, and then again, we get this other, we get this, just like we did at the beginning of episode two, we get this, swirling perspective shot where it looks like Matt's on his back and it swirls out and it, we find out that he's chained to the chimney stack on the top of this building by the mm-hmm. Punisher uh, where he remains for a good portion of this episode. And really the bulk of this episode is this ideological, the first, the first, I guess two thirds of the episode really are this yeah. ideological discussion that, that Matt and, and Frank have with each other about, his methods and what's going on. And, you know, you know, this is where the Punisher says, you know, you're a half measure. You know, he he just flat out tells him you're a half measure. Um, He said, you're, you're one bad day away from being me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's sort of stuff we've, we've been talking about this whole time, but yeah, I mean, that's when it really all comes to a head, like all this ideological stuff and methodology. And to me, this was like one of the best episodes of like the series. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, And it was very much like a, sort of a pseudo bottle episode uh where you know typically in a tv show there will be a bottle episode where all the characters are stuck in one location yeah and it's usually a time to like reflect on stuff and like talk on things and and so it was very much like that because like they're both just sitting on this rooftop you know like having this whole philosophical debate and and even the foggy moment him and claire are in sort of trapped in the hospital almost like having this so it was sort of this this interesting play on the idea of a bottle episode where these groups of characters are like in these specific locations where like different events arise and that gets them to like talk about these different sort of like elements. But yeah, the, the stuff with Matt and Frank was, was amazing. Just that whole sequence. Yeah. And then it's when we finally get to know Frank a bit Yeah, for the first time. And, and you know, he hasn't really talked until this episode. Yeah. And we haven't really kind of spelled it out yet, but Bernthal's Punisher is amazing. amazing. 
yeah uh, better than oh i would have hoped better than i i thought um, me too i i mean the other versions i've seen of the punisher and stuff i mean it's like okay it's you know it's the punisher but i mean this this one to me was just like made it made a it made a character that you know i was never like a massive fan of into like oh okay like this is man he's done such an amazing job with this like holy crap <laughs> yeah it it's funny i i was trying to get john on to talk about uh about, yeah, because he's a big fan. Yeah, about yeah, about Daredevil, because he's a huge fan, and he he even we just emailed each other back and forth, and he was like, "Yeah, this is the best best version of the Punisher ever." Period. Like, yeah, you know, in any medium, and it it, it they just did a really good job. I mean, the writing and the acting, and I mean, Bernthal just killed it, and he did. It's an an incredible performance, just all season. Yeah, but I love that he calls him Red. He never right. You know, he he makes mention of well, you know the devil of hell's kitchen, and Matt's like, "Look, I never wanted that title. That was never, you know, that was never me." And it's just kind of cool that he just kept calling him Red. I just, I don't know. It's right. Just, it's it like just... never quite taking him seriously. Yeah, yeah. Like sort of making fun of like, yeah. I mean, he does it a lot. He makes fun of like his. He calls him little kid pajamas, and you know the and you know he talks about himself being in the military, and like you know we don't get to wear a mask, like right. And it is sort of the same discussion of, you know, like police and military and stuff like they just are who they are. And and with that, there's, you know, pros and cons, whereas the idea of sort of like having this alter ego is that you get a sort of you get to be a different person and then you get to like go into this mode. And and it's something that we haven't really dealt with at all in the MCU because Daredevil is pretty, I think, the only person with a like traditional secret identity, dual life sort of thing. Yeah. You know, none of the Avengers, they, they just are who they are. Right. You know, like right. constantly. Um, so it's an interesting thing because in comics, that's like a, a constant thing. You know, that's just like the most traditional thing is that these people live two lives. So he's, and, and it's something that plays out in, you know, a lot of the DC stuff. But in the, in the Marvel version, like he's really, I, I think he's the only character that sort of has that dual identity sort of thing. So it's, it's interesting to, you know, someone like Punisher to, to tell him directly, you know, not everybody gets that sort of like luxury of like separating these lives out, you know? Yeah. And I love the bit where the, the tenant comes up there cause he hears all the noise yeah. and everything. And he's like, he's just so he's like a smooth talker. Like he's able to get past it. He's like, Oh, yeah. I'm visiting my, he's great. my he's sister. Not some crazy guy. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he, you can keep it together, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm visiting my crazy sister, and then the the, the you know tenant guy's like, oh, you mean so and so and you know four B or whatever, and she's like, oh, you've met her, and you know it's kind of yeah. one of those, and they're able to bond even, you know, he he says he yeah, was in the, the Marines, the and you know, they were, thing, yeah, and then he hears Matt, you know, make a noise, and the cool thing was he cocks the gun, right? He's holding the gun, yeah, up. and then Matt stops, and you, I love the fact that with the Punisher, you're kind of like. Okay, who is this guy really? Like, is he gonna go off and sh- right. kill this old man? Like, if, because if, then that breaks his sort of yeah. If then if it's he, like, what's more important, crime or his like mission? Yeah, if, if he pushes it, is he gonna kill this old man? Right, and you and know, if it, he does. Isn't he just a murder? I mean, yeah, that old guy didn't do anything. Right, right. And he and they kind of set it up a little bit because when he snipes at 
um, Grotto, when him and Karen are getting away, he comes very, very close to getting Karen, and he's, mm-hmm. it almost seems like he's being reckless. But the cool thing then is you find out after him and him and the, you know the tenant guy kind of make their peace, and he's like, "Oh, you know, smoke all you want up here," you know that that kind of thing, and uh, and he goes away, and he goes back, and he goes, "You were gonna," you know, he Matt says something to him about the gun, and he's like, "That was for you." And it was like it makes perfect sense, right? If mm-hmm. he knows, he's gotten the understanding that he knows that this guy has these senses, like he's he's heightened for whatever reason. So he cocked that gun back, knowing Matt would hear it and that he would back off and and keep quiet, right? And to sort of test the limits of like yep. Yep. where does you know Matt has this line? Yep. That Frank maybe I that's sort of the question. Like, does Frank have a line? Yep. You know how far does it go? You know, is he just, will he kill anybody or, or is there a point where he'll stop? You know, so. So then they, of course they get into it again. He knocks Matt out again. And this time when he wakes up, he has a gun taped, duct taped and not just duct tape. I mean, duct taped (laughs) to his hand. God. Uh, And the Punisher was able to find Grotto. So obviously when Grotto ran off, you know, the DA and everybody are looking for him. They don't know where he's at. The Punisher got him, and right. he there's this really cool standoff with with Matt, the Punisher, and Grotto, where he's like, "You need to kill him, and or Matt, kill me, or, or kill me because I'm going to kill him." Right, and he just won't. So, like, do you kill me because I'm going to murder this guy? Yeah. Do you kill him because he, you know, deserves it? And at first, Matt's like, "Oh, you know, I already know everything about this guy," and then. That's when he finds out, like, not only did this guy do, like, a, you know, a mob hit, he also, like, killed some old lady who just showed up while yep. he was doing the hit. And so you you see it almost like Matt almost, like, give up for a second. Like, he's gonna let Puncher, like, kill him until he, until he awesomely picks a third option. Yeah. Gives himself a third option, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> and just blows this, the chains off at, like, a specific point. And yep. And, you know, takes down Frank, but not before Frank, you know, basically lethally wounds Grotto. Yeah. And then while Matt's taking care of Grotto, he fires a RPG at the dogs of hell who just so happened to be across the street from, you know, that's why Frank was there the whole time. And it's cool because he's doing all this thing with these lights and you're like, what the hell is it going on? Right, like, right. I was like, why? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, he's... it's really great. Like, he's really... Um, I don't want to say like MacGyver, but you know, it, yeah, he's like again, goes into stuff. his sort of marine training. Like he's really, this is like a whole setup, you know. This is like a whole like he's working all these things and putting all this stuff together, and it's like this whole weird plan, which again feeds into the whole serial killer idea. You know, it's very methodical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he unleashes the dogs of of hell on the dogs of war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is really cool. Again, you know, the whole light thing, of course, because they'll be trying to shoot up at him and they won't be able to see because the lights will be blinding him and, and it puts a spotlight on him. You know, it's like it's, it's kind of works on two levels with what right, he's doing. But it's also like, hey, we're up here because yes. it's also kind of like he wants them to come after yep. Matt. So as a sort of distraction, I guess, which it's never really made clear, like how Frank would have gotten out of that without Matt. But I guess the idea was he would have just killed his way through them. Yeah. 
by having him come to him, he would have had, you know, they would have been climbing up the stairs while he's just like shooting down at him the whole time. So, yeah, because he had a pretty big arsenal. I mean, Matt even comments That's, like, yeah, when he, you know, opens up the crates and stuff that he, he could tell what That's it is. That's true. That's true. I forgot. He had all so, these crates. On, yeah, they never really addressed that on the roof. There's like a roof full of like military grade hardware. Like, yeah. Did they call the cops about that? Did somebody pick that up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somebody get that stuff. There's a lot of stuff up on that roof. Yeah. Um, but then we get kind of the analog to season to season one, episode two's. Uh, hallway yeah, fight. Hallway we get fight. a stairwell fight, mm-hmm. and this was really cool. It wasn't yeah. quite the single take like the first no, season there, was. There was there was a single take while he's in the hallway and then into the stairs. Yes, but then they there's like two parts to the fight. Yes, so it's like a single take, and then there's like a bit, and then there's like a second bit, like down in the lobby. But you know, I mean, still. You know, obviously nothing can top that first one just because it was just like so original and yes. unique. And the idea that there's like the emotional aspect of him like going after that kid and he's like exhausted and all that stuff. Whereas, yeah. But this one was cool because he's like confident like he's in it. He's in daredevil mode. Like, yes, he's, he's plus he's got he's got the gun on one hand duct taped to his hand. And then a chain wrapped around the other hand. And that was I awesome. Mean, it was pretty gnarly. And he's yeah. like whipping the lights out. So everything's yes. dark. And then. It was great. I mean, I love when, you know, a lot of these like brooding heroes, like it's, I don't, it was just nice to see him like in charge, like in his, you know, I mean, obviously he's getting hit and stuff like he's not invincible, but you know, I mean, he's, he's in his element, you know, and it's, it's, it's always like a fun thing to see, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, beating guys with, you know, with the, the gun in his hand and he's yeah, the chain, just the, the chain thing was just so cool. Yeah. It was so well and, done. Yeah. There's that great shot where, and it was like a promo that was released like before the season, but yeah. when they do that first cut, then it goes to him in the lobby and he's like at the top of the stairs and it's all red light. He's like bathed in red. And yes. He's got the gun in one hand and the chain on the other. And it was like, damn, if, I saw that. Oh my god, that would scare the crap out of me. Like <laughs> that's scarier than any Batman ever. Like that is like yeah, that was just like a frightening shot. And then yeah, then he takes on like some really big dudes. All while Punisher is like going down in an elevator. Yeah, he's going he, like, down. Sticks this, him in a freight elevator. Yeah, this freight elevator, so it's super slow. Yeah. And it's just, it, it, and you almost forget about it, right? And then you yeah, get to, yeah. His whole sort of point comical. is like Frank's just knocked out in an elevator. This yeah, whole time. yeah. His whole point is I've got to get down to the bottom before he gets to the bottom because mm-hmm. a they'll kill him or b he'll wake up and get away. Right. It was very like video game. Yeah. Know, like you have this mission. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's like a clock and. <laughs> yeah. If you if he gets down before you do, you fail and have to start yeah, over exactly. again. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but it was which it was, in the end he does kind of fail because yeah. uh yeah he gets away and it's cool because he, uh matt realizes and he he has a smile on his face when it happens i forget what it was it when he goes to shoot the lock on the door and he realizes he he pulls the trigger on the gun and there's no bullets in it and so he realizes the punisher gave him that gun with one bullet right so he he had one choice to make Right, it really was like he was saying. Yeah. There really was only one option, yeah. So I thought that was cool. Like, he gets down there and clicks it, and he's like, oh, okay, he was serious about this. Yeah. Uh, right, There, there's this sort of... They talk a lot of, you know, you know, crap to each other, but there's this, um, there's this sense from both of them that they do still respect each other on some level. Yeah. 
and, and you get that throughout the season. I mean, there's because you know later on Matt has a similar sort of dilemma with a very similar dilemma with Electra. Yep. And it's still like they both sort of like think little of each other because of their paths of either killing or not killing. You know, but they there's no doubt that they all respect each other. Um, and with Matt, we'll get into it with Electra, but I think Matt, it's more his response to her that bothers him more than her response in general. Like it's not that he's so mad at her. He's mad that he was able to be put in the place that she took him to. Right. Exactly. So like nobody's been able to push him like that, even though, you know, Frank gets him close. Yep. I mean, they both, I mean, that's the whole kind of arc of the season is that, you know, they, they're all sort of influencing, you know, it's about like Electra and Punisher being on this other side of, what Matt does, but walking a, a, a similar line, I mean, and he influences them and they influence him, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So but that's like, that's the end of, I, and I guess we didn't totally touch on, you know, foggy and Claire and the, yeah, in the hospital, but you know, I mean, it was, it was a great moment. It was great to reintroduce Claire and foggy again has a really great, speech yep he uses his, his word superpowers to really sort of like and i loved how he wasn't even being like nice to the guy no no he was just like look you're an idiot yeah because this <laughs> like, is what's going to happen and you're going to get yeah. charged and you're going to go away yeah it's, it's like, like i'm a lawyer these are cops you're in a hospital like, yeah you're a moron okay like but it, it, again it was great and i love rosario dawson i love yes I'm glad that she she features a lot throughout the season yeah yeah um such a good choice to have her be like the connective tissue between all these shows. Yeah, if they since they didn't, you know, obviously they didn't do it with Yurik, which right, is what right. I I assumed it would be in the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, again, having Rosario Dawson do it is is a is still a good choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that was a good little scene of them interacting and stuff in the hospital. Yeah, and the DA we forgot to mention, but this is the same DA from Jessica Jones. Right, that's something I didn't totally notice either. Yeah. Um it wasn't until someone pointed it out that I realized that. But yeah, that's that's another like there's a there's a bunch of little Jessica Jones connections. This one also uh is where Claire Claire tells Foggy she mentions her encounter with Luke Cage. Yep. At the yep. end of uh Jessica Jones. So yeah, there's there's a lot of references to that, which I appreciated because Jessica Jones had almost no references to this guy in her neighborhood running around like yeah, fighting beating people up people or you know another law firm that had taken down this huge you know crime yeah. kingpin and yeah. stuff so yeah and you know the timeline stuff is 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 really wonky with the Netflix shows I, I was having a really hard time trying to figure it out yeah it almost seems like it started in the summer because everything was really hot and then obviously when we get to the end it's winter mm-hmm. and Christmas even but so. the other thing that's weird is it I was assuming this is like a year later or something, but, you know, jumping ahead a tiny bit, when we meet Fisk, it's kind of clear that everything just happened. It's like three months, maybe, I yeah, think. Yeah, because he, yeah. he he mentions that Matt, that he met Matt in the art gallery like a few months ago. Yep. And we yep. also see his progression in prison. It's not that long at all from the time he goes in to the time he gets the paper with Punisher, you know? Yeah. So that was really confusing with me. Like, it's almost like, the new season starts like a few weeks after the other one ended, which is a little weird, but it also means, does that mean it kind of took place a year ago still? Like, is it in 2015? And then I don't, it was confusing. And there was also like a daredevil reference in shield this week, which becomes a little confusing because 
that seems to be in real time. So I'm just a little, I wish Marvel wasn't so vague about that. I wish they could, it's like they won't, they won't say a date or a year, you know, like in the episodes or something. I wish they would just sort of like put that out there, but it's like they keep it loose so that they can kind of be like, Oh, it's all kind of happening together. But you know, it's like when Thor and incredible Hulk and like Iron Man two are all supposed to take place around the same time. Yeah. Yeah, Even though they that, came out like years apart. Yeah, we get that scene at the end of Iron Man two with the when he talks to uh, when he talks to Fury and you see all that stuff on the monitors going behind him. Right, right, and then yeah, so it's just every once in a while their timelines are a little wonky, and it's just like okay, I'm not sure when this is, and nobody will ever say the date or the year or anything. Yeah, yeah, because there was discussion I think during Daredevil season one that it may might have even taken place in 2014. Like, it was even a year. I mean, it's just, it's everything's sort of, like, everything's very vague. But, I mean, anyway, it's not, not the end of the world. But I did, I was confused at first because I assumed that this was, like, a lot longer. He had sort of been Daredevil for a while and and all that. Yeah. But, but, yeah. So, meanwhile, kind of while this is going on, Karen's doing her own investigation into the Punisher. Like, she thinks there's something going on with him. And so... Mm-hmm. The big a big part of episode four is her kind of tracking down what his story is, and you know she she finds the X ray at one point and realizes he's been shot in the head, and mm-hmm. then she's able to find that he has a family. You know, it's like she's she's able to to kind of do this work and then realize that there's something going. Like why why does nobody know about this? Like this guy's family is all dead. Like but nobody knows. There's no reports on it, and you know she goes to the newspaper, um, you know. And goes to the editor who, given what happened to Yurik and how things all went down at the end of season one, he's a little more open to working with her this season. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and basically, you know, by the end offers her a job. And so she's, you know, not. Yeah. Working, and know. another great, another example of like a character that was kind of like a minor character. And yeah. now they, they kind of flesh him out quite a bit. Yeah. He had uh, a fairly large role. Yeah. Uh, he's in a lot of the episodes. Yeah. The season. So. Um, and he definitely like helps Karen a lot. Yeah. More than he ever seemed to really like help Yurik, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a ton of notes on episode four, really. I mean, that, like we said, the Karen stuff is kind of a big thing. Me neither. I really feel like it's the it's that last part. Yeah, it's like the big thing. Like the graveyard thing is like the biggest thing. Yeah. the The other thing is they have a funeral for Grotto. That's kind of like at the beginning of the episode, and um, and so it's Matt, it's Karen, and it's Foggy, and. You know, they it, it's kind of cool because the priest basically doesn't give him this glowing <laughs> review of his right. life. Um, but you know, no, knowing what we know, uh, you know about him, that that seems uh, fitting, um, right? So it's kind of cool. So him and Matt—that's one thing I will say that this season I felt shortchanged. I like the Matt in the church stuff, and we didn't really get I like a lot him of with that. the priest. Yeah, him they have and the priest. Yeah, we didn't get a lot of that. This we got more of it last season, no. I think, than we did this yeah. season. Um, this was the, kind of the only. I think this was the only appearance of yeah, him, maybe. Yeah, I don't remember him yeah. showing up later. Yeah, I think it's just this one. But we do get Matt kind of exercising, or you know, his faith. Like there's, you know, that mm-hmm. when he's, I forget, what he he's kneeling over that body, and he's he's basically, you know, starts to pray. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it was stick, maybe. That, 
No, no, no. It's um, when when Electra gets... Oh, Electra. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, a few episodes later. Yeah. And then Stick is kind of making fun of... You know, it's just like he, mm-hmm. he still believes. And, you know, that, it kind of comes up a couple times that... Yeah, they they definitely bring it up. They yeah. definitely bring up his, like, religion. Like, all the characters kind of mention it. I think but, Electra especially. Yeah. A few times. But it's kind of cool because the priest basically tells him, well maybe you're not done yet you know maybe you have all this guilt because your 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 mission isn't complete mm-hmm. and I, I thought that was a cool interaction like i said i i wish we would have got more of of matt and father lantham but mm-hmm. you know yeah i agree but uh, yeah i guess it's just there's just so much going on this season yeah um, we also get his new Matt gets his new costume the season he goes back yes, to the he, new helmet he goes back to uh, to Melvin and gets his new now it's just the helmet that was changed right yeah, yeah. I think it's just yeah because I kept looking at the costume and I'm like I don't see anything yeah the rest the is the same the new helmet's awesome I mean it looks th- that first one was a little weird but I got used to it but yeah so smart like how they because you know it had the weird ear thing yeah yeah this one they were so smart to make that like cloth all the way around his yeah. ear and it's a lot more red. It's uh, even in the pictures. I thought the red. Eye, I think I said this in one of the episodes. I just thought the red eyes looked weird. Yeah. It's just a case of it looked. It looked weird in pictures because they like Photoshop the hell out of it. But right. It, it looked great. You know when I. You know when he's finally wearing it, and and especially through the rest of the season, just seeing him, and I'm like, that is a phenomenal looking costume. Like, in terms of interpreting a. Uh, you know, a, a kind of a difficult to pull off comic costume into the real world, like. It reminded me of like the Flash one, you know. It's like that looks good. Yeah, you know, it really it's different, but in a good way. Like all the parts look really nice. Yeah, they did a great job. It grew on me. I I, I will admit I wasn't a huge fan of it at the end of season one, and not just for the helmet, but just in general. And I think it was because the the look with the kind of the headband and the pads and I love that and one, stuff like the that original just, thing. Yeah, yeah, it was so low-key and worked but you get yeah. it right i mean he has to do something to protect himself because he's just a regular yeah. dude and it, it, i agree it grew on me too like watching the season i never thought you know the first few episodes it's like ah, it still looks a little weird but but by the time i'm in the middle of it i'm just like yeah this is a sweet it, it's an awesome costume like it works it's just you know it, it's yeah i really liked it so one of the things we find is they bring in tony curran who is plays a the Irish mobster Finn, who's the brother. I guess he's the brother of the guy that was given the big speech at the beginning of episode one. And you know, I, I think he's the. I thought he was the dad of the kid that they kept talking to in that first speech. Was it? I thought it, in that speech, that guy kept saying like, "You're we're going to make your dad proud," and then they just cut to this kid and he didn't say anything. But and I thought that he had, in the funeral. Oh, maybe so. The but funeral he said, scene, he says, like, my son. Yeah, yeah, because he opens the casket and he's like, he says something about that being his son, doesn't he? Oh, maybe so. I thought he said brother. I thought at one point he said it was oh, okay. his brother. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not positive. But either way, he was related to right. somebody in that massacre. So, And it's funny and because... he's from somewhere else and he's, like, coming back yeah. to... It seems like he lives in Ireland, maybe. Yeah, which is funny because he plays an Irish mobster on Sons of Anarchy. So it's just kind of it was kind of funny that it's like <laughs> this guy is like, we need an Irish mobster. Call Tony yeah. Curry. Well, his name's Finn Cooley, so I'm imagining he's actually Irish. That yeah. sounds like a pretty Irish. Yeah. Oh no, that's a character's name. Never mind. Yeah. I was like, that's the actor's name. Yeah, Tony Curran is is the actor. Okay. Yeah. 
So it's just kind of funny. But he's kind of stepping in to like avenge what happened and kind of take mm-hmm. control and everything else. And they're actually able to get the drop on the Punisher. Yeah, you know, but the big... I, I liked that. I liked that all the villains aren't dumb, you know? Like, yeah. They they were pretty smart. Like, he figured it out. He's like, oh. He, like, when they go to his apartment, he sees, the, like, the there's, like, a photo of the carousel on the yep. map of Central Park. And he's like, that's who you are. Yeah. So he, like, knows. He, like, it's interesting. He's kind of, like, the only character who seems to understand what happened or something. Either that or he just, maybe I read too much into it. Maybe he was just like, oh, you're going to be at the carousel because there's a picture of it. But it seemed to me like he knew who he was. I don't know if you got that, though. No, I, I didn't get that. Which Okay, because I thought, doesn't he say something like, that's who you are? When he looks at that photo? Oh, maybe so. Yeah, that's yeah, what I, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. He was just more like that. I, I'm not totally sure, but I just assumed he knew. I, I'm assuming he remembered the massacre happening there. And so he sort of pieced it together like, this must have been someone who was like part of that in some way. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I don't know. Not like he fully knew who he was, but, like, he sort of, like, pieced some of it together. Yeah. And then, the, of course, the episode is called Penny and Dime, which is that thing that he recites right before mm-hmm. he's about to do something. And it was something his daughter, him and his daughter, it was like a, it was a, from a story. of like Yeah, a, it was like a kid's book that he was going to read to her. And then yeah. he, he, like, didn't read it. He was too tired to read it to yeah. her. Um. And then, you know, they got killed the next day. But, so, yeah, so they, they, like, ambush him kind of at the carousel that he's hanging out at. Yeah. And then, of course, Matt heads back back to his apartment, and the episode ends with... It was kind of cool because he doesn't really recognize it at first, and then he goes to the fridge. Well, yeah, I guess we... I mean, we kind of did skip over, like, him in the grave, like... Punisher gets, like, apprehended by the police. Right, right. Because they, like... So, like, the, the Irish guys get Frank. They're torturing him. He, um... We kind of get that cool moment where he, like... He had the money that they had... He, he had stolen money from them, and he had yes. it in his van. They go to his van, um, and he, like... It blows up it blows as soon up. as they open it, yep. and then right then he pulls a razor blade out of his arm that that, that they he had sh- put in earlier in the yeah. episode and wrapped it up. Yeah, yeah, and like cut. That was just such a great moment where he like cuts himself out. He like knocks the one guy, out, grabs the gun. He like shoots the one guy without even looking. Yep, it's just like his his skills are just like so impressive. You know. Yeah, he's mapped and it then, all out. Yeah, and then Matt joins him, and this was another one of my favorite moments. Right when Matt shows up, they're kind of like in a caverny area. He like walks by and just taps his baton on the wall and then just keeps walking. Yeah. And all the guys like turn around like, oh, what was that? I just to me that just cracked me up because again it was like just this confidence he has as a hero. You know, he's like, I'm just gonna sort of like get these guys' attention and keep walking and then they're gonna come after me and I'm gonna take them out. And he he even like whacks Frank on the hand and stuff, you know, he Yeah, he like knocks the gun out of his hand. Yeah, he doesn't want him killing. Yeah, with the baton and yeah. And so basically he rescues Frank. And then they end up in a graveyard. Frank's like beat to hell. And he basically like kind of gives up. And he like tells, you know, Daredevil like his story. Like he explains what happened to him, which we kind of know a little bit because Karen like goes into his house and like figures it out and stuff. But it was really, I mean, again, another great performance from 
John Bernthal. And I, I timed the, I like went back and looked at it. It's a 10 minute scene of them in the graveyard. I mean, that's a, yeah, I applaud Netflix for just spending that time and he just gets into it. Like the emotional, just what happened and like how he feels. And like, this is when you really like care for this character and like understand where he's coming from. And then of course Mahoney shows up and Daredevil like gives him the collar of catching the Punisher. Yeah. Which is what gives him his promotion. Like late, you know, next episode, I think. And then, and then he like goes on a, then he like goes on a date with Karen, right? Is did that happen in this episode? Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that the one where they go to like the restaurant and all that? Yes. No, no, no. Because... no that was another one because Electra was there when they went to the restaurant. I think they just they do something together because they end up having like a, a kiss in the rain, right? And then he like goes awkward, right? Yeah, <laughs> the world's most awkward like kiss. Yeah, and then that's what I thought was sort of interesting is he's so sort of like high on like you know puppy love with karen like because he's smiling and he comes in he kind of yeah. cracks a beer and that it's like it it's like uh it throws off his senses because then all of a sudden he's just like oh and he like grabs a knife and like realizes like oh man there's some there's been someone in here this whole time yeah and then he knows exactly who it is yeah and then and that's where you get the little tease of electra which is and yeah that's the end of that like arc but yeah i, I just love that moment that he's sort of like so smitten with what just happened with Karen that he like is completely oblivious to the fact there's someone like sitting like 10 feet away from him. Yeah. Now granted, like he doesn't it is hear or smell or anything. So, you know, the fact that she would be able to kind of somewhat be undetected is not out of the right. realm of possibility. So, right, right. But yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's how we, yeah. And that's why that sort of feels like an art. Cause I mean, it ends with like Punisher like going to jail, which sort of starts in the next series of things, which is like the trial of him. Yeah. Um, and then of course it introduces Electra, which, you know, Matt and Electra together. And like, I mean, the show completely shifts into like another, sh- you know, into some pretty like supernatural elements for the next like arc. Yeah. Yeah. I like but, that, you know, we'll get into it next time, but stick has a much more prominent role this season. Than he, he does. Did last. And I, he, he grew on me. I, I don't know if I've said this before, but I, I, he's someone who I was not a fan of. Um, oh man, I was. Yeah. I yeah. just, I, I wasn't crazy about the actor and I just wasn't, he just felt too over the top, like salty, sexist, like just curmudgeon. But he, this season, he, I, I just felt like it helped to have him around more and like get to know him more. So I think just the one episode last season, it was just, he didn't totally resonate with me, but I, I again, I think they, I think it was a lot better this season, like getting to know him more and stuff. So, but we can talk about that next time. Yep. So that's Daredevil part one. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll tackle the next two parts here over the, over the coming weeks. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And then I guess we'll just, uh, kind of knock out the shield ones. Yeah. So we'll talk about, uh, Parting shot and watchdogs. Uh, yeah, and, a lot less ideology to discuss than Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I I don't have, I have I have quite a few notes on watchdogs, but I, I don't have a lot to say really. And and the same thing with parting shot. The big, the the big thing with parting shot is, and this is something that we 
I think we were both in agreement that we didn't think that this was going to be yep. the episode that that Bobby and no. Hunter would be departing I the again show. Would have, I would have bet money. I even mentioned it in my review of the episode before for or like my breakdown on MCU Exchange that I was like, it's this isn't it. They're not, you know. So yeah. and then in the next one, I had to be like, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I I was too. Yeah, I mean I. And yeah, the whole episode. I mean, you know, it was a solid episode, but I, to me, the really only remarkable thing to discuss is like that ending. You know. Yeah, and it was it was heart wrenching. I mean, I it was, was just like it, it almost got me. <laughs> man, I was like, holy crap! And it started with, you know, with Coulson and his speech. So to, to back up a little bit, so right. the, the the purpose, the whole thing with this, as we left them last the episode before. Hunter and Bobby were stowed away in Malik's plane. Mm-hmm. They were able to find out where he was. They went to Russia. So there's this whole plot of Malik and company setting up the prime minister to be assassinated by conceivably an inhuman to because the Russian uh, the, the the prime minister isn't completely on board with what they what they want to do. So right, which is a you know build a uh, you know air quote sanctuary. For the Inhumans, right, which is basically like an internment camp for the Inhumans, right. So if the so like if the Prime Minister is killed by an Inhuman, then obviously that would bolster their cause to you know to set this up, and the successor would come in and you know obviously be on board. And so the whole thing is is kind of this this plot for the Shield team to stop this assassination and find out what's going on with Malik. At the time, they mm-hmm. didn't realize it was an assassination plot until the the prime minister's attache was murdered and they realized something big is going on. They realized yeah. that the prime minister is coming to them. So they kind of put two and two together. This Russian general, it turns out isn't a human who has the ability to control his shadow into a physical well, form. Make uh, it was dark force. They said, Oh tr- yes, yes, you're right. Yeah. Yes, dark so force. we, Again, we get another reference to Dark Force, yes. but without referencing any of the other previous versions of Dark Force, which was yeah. kind of upset me a little bit. But but again, eh. we talked about this before, that Dark Force in the comics manifests itself in wildly different Right, ways. right. I was just, you know, I, I guess to me it's like it seems like this big thing that they keep bringing up, and yet every time they bring it up, they're not like... You, even the first time, it was just like, oh, this blackout guy, they experimented with something called yeah. Dark Force. And then that was it. And then, but, you know, we know from Agent Carter that clearly there was kind of a big governmental incident dealing with this right. this stuff. So, again, to introduce him, it was just like a throwaway thing. Like, oh, he can control Dark Force. And I was like, okay. And it's just like, what, are they ever going to sit down and be like, hey, what's this Dark Force thing? Because it's kind of one of the most bizarre elements in the MCU. Yeah. yeah. And yet they haven't really... And the fact that it does give people so many varied powers, and now we have an inhuman who can access it. So that brings up a lot of other questions, like genetically, he has some sort of way of controlling this energy. So there's a lot of, I, I just wish they would like, to me, it's an interesting element, you know, and I just wish they would like stop being so blase about it and be like, whoa, what is this stuff? What yeah. is this dark force? So, and that's why it was kind of disappointing. Like, it was a cool ability, but they really just like, it was there and gone. Like yeah. they were just like, eh, and now he's dead. And it was just like, ah, oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. That could have been a really cool, uh, you know, they could have explored that. He could have teamed up with blackout. There's all sorts of stuff they could have done with that. But cause it was a really cool ability. You know, he can create this like shadow monster. that can like jump through walls and stuff. Yeah. 
that he like controls independently of himself. So yeah, that was my only sort of like a gripe with the episode is that it, it, um, I think that, I think that that character and that power and stuff could have been like, could have stuck around and then explored some more. Yeah. But we, there's a couple funny hunter bits I got to call out. And one is the whole picking of the mushrooms in the mushroom soup. (laughs) And he recites the recipe when he's captured. And then the <laughs> the second bit, and this just cracked me up when they ask him. It's they're basically giving him a lie detector test, and, test, and they ask mm-hmm. him his name, and he goes, "Amadeus Ravenclaw Hunter." And I was just <laughs> like, "What the hell?" Which, given his character's name and his real name, like it's not that crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was so funny. Yeah. Just the way he again. I mean, delivers. this whole thing was like a was like a backdoor pilot, basically yes. for most wanted. Um. Because the whole thing's very spy centric, you yes. know. Like there is an inhuman, but the whole thing is about like geopolitical situations and assassinations and spy stuff and all that. So it's like, okay, this is what the show's going to be about. Which I'm, I'm on board. You know, like watching this episode was like, yeah, I would watch this every week. You know, this sort of thing, like yeah. them globe trotting and like backstabbing and assassination plots and like just Bobby and Hunter just going back and forth. Oh my god. I could I could watch that every week for sure. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of gets to the point where we get to the end of the episode, and Bobby's put in a position where she realizes the only way to stop the this inhuman is to is to shoot the general, and, mm-hmm. and it'll stop control of this dark force creature that he's able to yeah to let out. So she's yep. able, able to go. Um, Hunter's in custody at this point. She walks up to the general, shoots him, puts down her gun, raises her hand, and surrenders. And then yeah. It you know they kind of did a lot of this attacking uh, the shield crew under fog of war like literally they they put a smoke grenade mm-hmm. in and was able and were able to beat everybody up so nobody really saw anybody else but Hunter and Bobby mm-hmm. right right um so obviously they're captured the prime minister comes in uh, <laughs> funny enough President Ellis yeah, flies in with they're no, both just hanging out yeah he's just hanging out in this crazy <laughs> bunker in the middle of Russia. Right. But whatever. <laughs> that guy can go anywhere without anybody noticing. Yeah, yeah. Him and Coulson, like, have some skills, and just nobody knows they exist, but they yeah. go everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're basically, like, the prime minister is kind of, like, calling for, you know, like, someone's got to answer for this. Like, yes. you know, even though they saved his life, which is like, hey, you know, you should be grateful. It's, you know, Hunter, like, you saw Hunter, like, save your life. But, yeah. But it was really cool because... Colson is fully on board with okay. Well, we're going to break you out. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then right. they're both like, "No, you can't do that. You, you cannot do that because Shield has to stay under the. If if the world finds out that Shield is basically active again, it's going to be yeah. You're with all going to be targets. Support. Yeah, with the president, it's going to yeah. be a bad situation. And Bobby's like, you know, we took an oath. You know, we are the Shield. And I was just like, oh right. man. And so yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, and then Colson totally turns the tables and is like, Oh, personally, I want to thank you both because you were, you stopped your vacation to thwart this plot to kill. Right. The prime, well, and he, he, prime he like blocks out the cameras using his little hand too. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. He had like a little, you know, cause we heard there was little tricks in his hand. So yeah. I like that. It's got a little EMP in it <laughs> to wipe out the cameras. Yeah. And he basically tells the prime minister, they just killed all of your political opponents as well. So you're in a pretty good yeah. position. So <laughs> right. And I saved think, your life. So yeah, I think they should go. be let go. 
and he's like, eh, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, look, this is going to cause a lot more trouble than you wanted to. Like, and which, even... yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, there's all sorts of, you know, suspension of disbelief as to how, you know, all that was able to be smoothed sure. over so easily. But... Sure. But I like the fact that Coulson found a way. Right. I agree. I mean, it, to me, it was like it was always inevitable that they were going to split off somehow. Sure. And it was to me, I I thought some of the logic didn't totally add up. Like they're part of a secret spy organization that's not supposed to exist anyway. So why I don't quite get why they need to not be a part of it. Like nobody knows they're a part of it anyway. So how would anybody continue to know? So the idea that they had to be like disavowed didn't totally like. I guess it's one of those situations to me, where, know? from a surveillance perspective, they're going to be watched, and so if those if those two show up anywhere for any reason, right. it's going to be oh, they're on a mission for Shield as opposed right, to right. But here's the thing: is we know they're going to keep running some sort of missions, right? Right. So aren't they still going to be watched? And wouldn't people still assume that's the only thing? Like, if the idea is that people, and and maybe that's what, maybe that's the whole like through line of Most Wanted is that. And you know what? We never really thought about this, but maybe most wanted isn't the people they're after. Maybe it's them. Maybe right. they're the most wanted. And so there's, right. and that's kind of like that synopsis that was rumored to appear was like they're on the run. So I guess maybe that's what they're on the run from is like other other agencies. So yeah, I, I mean, again, it, it was a small like gripe. It's, sure. And I knew it had to happen. And you know, there's a suspension of disbelief. It's like okay, it's yeah, it's like a little whatever. Jump through some hoops, but you know, it's it gets them to their own show. And and again, like it doesn't even matter what happened in like the 40 minutes beforehand, because right. Those last few minutes were just like, Oh yeah. So they decided <laughs> that was to, some good TV right there. <laughs> yeah. They decided to go to a bar and have a drink. Colson, you know, tells the team that, Hey, they, they've been disavowed. They're on their own. They're, they're not a part of the team yeah, anymore. They don't even get to say goodbye to them. They just, right. They're like, everyone's like, Hey, where are Bobby and Hunter? Yeah. So there's this really cool moment where they're at the bar, they're drinking, and one by one, like, drinks get ordered for them. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. you'll see Daisy in the back, and she, you know, has her drink and kind of tips her head to him. And then it's, you know, it's Fitz and Simmons, and then it's Colson, and then it's Mac, and and then Yeah, and all May. these characters that they have this history with, and, like, they've all interacted with. And, it, yeah, just really, you're just like, man, this they're like losing friends, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and these are characters we've loved seeing like interact together. And, and then you think about how many never got a chance to interact really. And yeah, especially may yeah. like may seems really, cause may and Hunter had like just kind of gotten to the point where right. I think they were going to mend fences and right. then this happens. And I think may is really torn up about it. So it was, it was just this really well done yeah. sequence. I mean, it just, I, I, I don't, I mean, it was really, it's one of those things, like you say, you kind of have to, whatever nitpicks you have about how they got to that point, and honestly, there's not many. I mean, we pointed out a couple, but it's not anything that just really stuck in my head. No, no, no. But it just makes it so powerful at the end when, you know, they have their drink and then they start walking out and they do the little slow-mo kind of thing and you're just like, oh man, this is hard. This is so hard. And then Mac. That fine. Oh my god! That's yeah. what almost got me. That shot of Mac, yeah. hanging back, tears in his eyes, because that's because he's known them forever. Yeah, you know? like yeah. we know that he's known them forever, and especially Bobby, they've been through so much, and just like 
seeing that big dude just like yeah tearing up i was just like oh my god it almost i almost started <laughs> just bawling because i was like which is kudos to the show for like getting to this place where like you feel these and especially because Bobby and Hunter are, you know, somewhat newer characters, and so is Mac. Yeah, you know, so to have the emotional weight resting on, on them, and it's like, it, it works. You know, it sells it. You know, like all these characters have had like this long history together, and and it's just kind of like, oh man, we're not going to see them like all interacting again for you know a while. But in that moment, you're just like, oh man, you know, it's really, it's really a uh, heartbreaking. So. Yeah, great, great, uh, great few minutes of television there. Yeah, so that's pretty much the, you know, party yeah. shot. It's it's you know obviously I guess they have to go film Most Wanted so to clear their schedule mm-hmm. that you know they just decided to go haul. Yeah, and I, I guess it makes it it makes sense now that I think about it because if you had them just leave at the end of the season, there just wouldn't have been as much of an emotional payoff. They would have been in the middle of like a, you know, fighting hive and all this. And so to sort of take a whole episode where you could just focus on them and have them leave. And then even if most wanted, like gets canceled and they immediately come back to shield. Now we've had like a long time without them. Right. Or we will have a long time. Whereas if it was just the end of the season, it wouldn't be that long. So, you know, thinking about it after the fact, it makes sense. Yeah. And I think they did it this way. I think, at this point, if they're going whole hog and they decide to go this route, I think, I think most wanted makes it to air, you know, whatever, whatever Definitely. initial run of eight or nine episodes, even if the ratings suck and they decided the show's not working. I think, I think they at least air those and then find a way to fold them back in. So I agree. I agree. We're going to see something. We're going to yeah. see some version of that show air. I, yeah. I, I agree. They wouldn't go this far and like not do it, you know? Yeah. So that's parting shot. Uh, so the last week's episode, Watch Dogs, uh, mm-hmm. and this is so we kind of switch gears here. This is uh, there's a lot going on in this episode. Uh, the you know the Watch Dogs kind of show up as this this group, and there this is where I feel like maybe we're tying in a little bit to Civil War because definitely this group um, they're staunch in human a staunch in human group um, they. They mentioned like anti anti inhuman. Yeah, anti yeah anti inhuman. Yeah. Uh, they mentioned Sokovia. They they mentioned that they want these you know heroes or these you know inhumans. They want them outed. They want you know they're they're all about you know disclosure and right. You know, they doing call them something. freaks over and over like they're yeah. you know they're definitely like disgusted by them you know and it's you know brings up obviously a lot of issues of like xenophobia and race sure. and things like that and mute you know mutant stuff too that we normally deal with in the comics. Right. Right. And you know the most the majority of this episode is kind of Mac and his brother and and mm-hmm. you know obviously after what happened with with parting shot Mac's taking some time off he goes back home yeah which I I like I I just feel we haven't really gotten to know Mac out yeah. of all the characters I feel like he's one of the least developed so I you know I I, I liked the focus on him yeah I mean I, I agree that I I just the whole stuff with the brother I was just like eh okay I, I don't know I I felt it was a little slower um I, I don't know, I don't know I guess maybe after last episode um it it just yeah I definitely think these we're gonna hit a few episodes in between here that are just like a little more like character focused moving forward a couple new elements because you know we're getting pretty close to like the craziness of like Civil War the finale all that yeah. sort of stuff so I yeah am... I. 
I am glad that they didn't bring his, I really thought they were going to do the TV trope of, oh, his brother's a part of the Watchdogs. And I did too. I really thought they were going to do that. So I will give it a huge kudos for not falling into that like typical stereotype trap of. I agree. You know, oh, he's no. the good guy, so the brother's the bad guy. And... Right, right. I, I think, you know, I mean, there could be interesting story elements there, but I think they did a good job with it of showing that he's sort of sympathetic and he sort of thinks that and then yeah. showing him sort of turn around when he. You know, when he sees it from the other side, you right, know, which right. which is good. You know, he's he's a rational person and he's like, it kind of makes sense. There's a lot of people in the real world, too, that like they're on one side of an issue because they get stirred up by the media and by sure. groups here and there or whatever. And then, you know, then when you're actually in it or when someone you know and love is involved then it sort of gives you this perspective where he's like, OK, yeah, you know, I guess I had this wrong, which Again, yeah, I didn't think I didn't think that the brother was a was a very good actor. I didn't think they really gave him a lot of depth, which was yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. Um. So I definitely see what you're saying there. I mean, I to me, I was just focusing on like Mac having these like moments. But yeah, I guess when you sort of look back on it, it's like the, they probably could have done a better job with like their relationship. And, and it's hard because we've never met him before either. So, right. Right. So there's a lot of sort of heavy lifting, and we're being introduced to the Watchdogs and. Blake comes back and Lincoln's getting vetted and Simmons and May are looking for Lash. And so, so, you know, I mean, there's a lot going on for sure. Yeah. And you find out that the brother like has been left with the house. And so he's, you know, having trouble finding work. And again, it kind of feeds into, you know, this typical, you know, it kind of feeds into this whole watchdog mentality where they're kind of feeding mm-hmm. on, you know, the, you know, they're taking our jobs. Kind yeah. Of, they took our job. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, kind of, you know, craziness. And so, you know, he kind of gets swept up in that and, you know, you find out he's in yeah. trouble and, um, you know, susceptible to kind of being swayed by that kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is how, I mean, again, that's how those groups work in real sure. life, too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's sort of like a cult mentality and extremist mentality. I mean, that's how they rile you up. It's like, yep. hey, you, you've got a problem in your life. Well, here's, here's why, you know, here's a group of people that you can hate for that, yeah. you know, and. I mean, that's how most hate works. It's just like these people are responsible for your misery. And it's it's a it's a scary and it's a powerful tool. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I appreciate the show going there and I I hope we get more. I I think we definitely will, obviously. But, you know, I want to see a little more of that, like discussion. And my only complaint is that the with the watchdogs being so extreme and 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 then them secretly now being tied to Hydra, which they don't know about. Um, I feel like it'll maybe dilute the discussion that could be had about why this sort of like anger and resentment might exist, you know, in the world and how people, how the other people are reacting to power people. Cause we always get the shield perspective, but right. You know, it is interesting. How does, how does the everyday person on the street reacting to all this craziness that's happening in the MCU now? So, um, I, I'm worried that the Hydra stuff will just make it too easy to make them extreme villains instead of actually nuanced, you know, characters. But we'll see. I, I hope the, sh- the show continues to explore that. And, and I, I'm thinking that's going to be their version of Civil War is just because we saw it a little bit a few weeks ago with Lincoln and Daisy sort of about that cure or the vaccine, like sort of taking opposite sides. And yeah. this week we sort of see Mac and yeah, Daisy they... and even Fitz a little bit's kind of in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was some some good stuff though. Is is Mac is really not on board with this whole? Oh, you're just gonna because you can pull somebody off the street and and mm-hmm. threaten to you know 
quake their brain that they'll they'll tell you everything that that's okay it's like yeah. you know what about due process what about you know the law what about right you Which know people's civil rights and daisy who was all about that's how we were introduced to this character. yeah she was like anti-establishment you know like she was anti-shield like this agent i mean she was very much like she was like the watchdogs without the racism you know right the, uh the uh you know, whatever you want to call it but you know it's basically a version of racism or xenophobia or something where you know they think inhumans are and to be fair they, they don't have a great name <laughs> to be right they, it already sounds like they're some sort of like subspecies or something but um yeah i mean she was she was sort of a similar thing you know she wanted to take down shield she wanted them to be accountable and stuff and now you know it's it's an interesting thing and i think i think those are the ripples we're going to see throughout shield like it's going to be less about like whatever happens in actual civil war it's not going to be them taking like a cap side or an iron man side but it's going to be like the same discussion that's happening in civil war is sort of happening with them and and like you said it was happening in daredevil a little too i mean it's yeah. it's in the air in the mcu which i think is good and, and different people are reacting in different ways which you know is interesting so yeah we get the return of nitramine i thought that was cool yes finally uh they didn't reference agent carter with dark force but they brought up season one's nitromine. Yeah. So that was really neat and dropped Howard Stark's name a few times. Yeah. And, and we got the, you know, I mean, even the sodium pentothal, I think is, you know, what they had to use to disarm it and agent Carter. So yeah, that, that was, that was cool. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah, these weapons have been around a while. It's, you know, it makes sense. Someone would like, you know, pull them out of, pull them out of the vault and use them for something. And it was cool because they, they, they weaponized it. You know, you saw them like shooting out of a mm-hmm. gun and it kind of creates this goop and then, of course it it reacts yeah and that was interesting with fitz you know where he gets he gets hit with or uh, yeah fitz gets hit with it and then mm-hmm. they they try to counteract it and that doesn't work and then they've you know yeah he's like slowly figures it out yeah they get yeah they got to get more creative um yeah i like that yeah there's a lot of little east there's not a lot but there were some little easter eggs in this one i thought then we find even out... the watchdogs are from the comics yeah yeah um Sort of similar. They're like an extreme right wing hate group. Yeah. Um, less about inhumans and more just like almost like an extreme militarized version of the Tea Party or something. Yeah. And given when they were created, it, it, it given what yeah. Cap was going through at the time. It, right. And it they were made, like a Cap villain mostly. Yeah. It yeah. made, it made There's, sense. Right. And they see themselves as patriots. Right. Right. Um, and and um, there was even a bit where they were actually funded by the Red Skull in the comics, which they didn't know about. Right. So that's actually a further time because the Red Skull's organization, Hydra is secretly funding them, which they don't know about. So yeah. they're being funded by Hydra and by inhumans who are the two groups that Blake is yeah. so vehemently against. So and that was going to be very upset. Yeah. That was some cool stuff we got with Blake because we find out that he's involved. And then when, when Daisy and them go to that facility and they hear him and they're like, Oh, we have verbal confirmation but we don't have you know visual Mm -hmm. and then meanwhile colson and lincoln are kind of on their own journey Mm -hmm. and this is kind of like lincoln's training mission so right like colson wants to like see him for see him in action for himself and see how dedicated he is yeah because he's eval came back and it was negative and you know it was not a positive evaluation which makes sense like yeah to be honest we never saw he ended last season just like he kind of didn't want to be a part of shield. He was just like there to fight like Jai Ying. Right. And he's sort of part of shield, but it, you know, it makes sense. Like, just like he's there for sky. Like 
right. a lot like Hunter, to be honest, with Bobby. So it's like, yeah, you do wonder, like, why is he here? Like, why does he care? Why does he want to be an agent? Like, he doesn't seem to care about any of this stuff whatsoever. So. And he has control issues, you know. Definitely. So I feel like they didn't necessarily, you know, Colson by the end is like, okay, I trust you. But I, I felt like they still never gave us as an audience a reason to know why Lincoln is there. Why does he care? Why is he listening? Why is he following Colson's orders? Like, what is, there's no point where he's like, yeah, I want to like protect the, I'm not saying he doesn't want to protect people, but I've just never seen him seem to care about what shield cares about you know no, and part of it he may be coming to a realization a him and daisy are forming a relationship b every time he seems to go off on his own he bad stuff happens yeah yeah that's true and and he is a doctor so obviously some part of him wants to help people but but again there's a difference between being a doctor like simmons like right i guess that's what i don't understand why why isn't he pursuing a path like Fitz and simmons why isn't he working in the lab I don't get why he wants to be an agent, like yeah. why he wants to be out in the field. That's what doesn't really make sense to me. But yeah, so I just I just felt like they never really Colson's like, OK, you trusted me, but I just I never got like, why? Yeah. Like, why? Why does Lincoln? I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. He's on the team. That's fine. But I guess you could say the same thing about Joey and everybody else. It's like why Joey was just some dude. Like, why is he all yeah. of a sudden like a, a warrior? Like. We're, you know, it's like these people have powers, so in our brains, it's like, oh, when you get powers, you become a superhero. But in the real world, it's like, well, would you? I mean... I just want to be left if alone. I all of a, yeah, if I all of a sudden got some sort of superpowers, I don't know that I'd start going out and, like, fighting crime or, like, joining, like, the military or something. So, you know... It, I just yeah, use it so I can get to the grocery store and back in exactly. know, five seconds. Exactly. <laughs> so, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some of that in the MCU pop-up, and I'm hoping stuff like damage control and the more comedy-focused things do that, but... I wouldn't mind seeing that a bit more where it's like, look, I don't want to be a superhero. I don't want to be a secret agent. I just want to be, it's like, cool. I've got powers, but I don't need to like, I don't know. Hopefully they'll explore some sort of angle on that in some version of the MCU someday. But yeah, either way. But it was kind of cool when Coulson and Lincoln come across Blake or what they think is Blake. Right. Coulson knows it's, it's a hologram or whatever. And that, you know, Lincoln passes his test, but Coulson and Blake kind of have this back and forth with each other about, you know, the Avengers and the fall of shield and Hydra Mm -hmm. and, you know, Sokovia and they created Ultron and, you know, he's just all realizing wrong. Yeah. Everything he believed in is basically a lie. And, and Deathlock paralyzed, you know. I yeah, mean, yeah. That's what happened last time we saw him. Is that Deathlock, you know, and then now Deathlock's running around with Coulson, and it would have probably been pretty powerful if Deathlock had been there with Coulson. Yeah, yeah. that would have been a good moment. But, uh, but meanwhile, the they the Watchdogs were able to track down Mac, and so him and his brother kind of have this cool moment where that's where his brother really realizes what mac is like he's not mm. just this insurance adjuster guy that he's <laughs> he's a, he's a spy and he has skills and he's on the side the right side and mm-hmm. uh, you know kind of comes around and there, it was it was kind of a cool you know assault moment you know right where he's definitely yeah you know, i love shotgun axe that was awesome oh my god that was so beautiful <laughs> well, i was watching it and i i had to go back and look and i it was like I didn't realize they've mentioned it so much, but I didn't realize there never has been a shotgun axe yet. They've just talked about it. Yeah. For some reason, I thought there had been one at some point, but it's, it is amazing. Cause that's, that's only from 
the first reference he makes to that is like earlier this season. Yeah. And yet that's become like a, such like a satisfying thing. Like, yeah, fucking Mag and his shotgun. <laughs> so yeah, that was, it's like his brother's like, what are you doing? And he just goes shotgun axe. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> and I love it in the aftermath of it all. Uh, Daisy's like, oh, that's okay. Damage control will come and clean yes, this up. And I was first... like, yes, damage control. Yeah, I love how casually it's just like, yeah, damage. But that, that's a good idea. It's sort of like casually seeding this idea in there. So I would really, really love if they threw a line out in uh, Civil War or something mentioning that. But I doubt it. But um, yeah, I am so excited for that show whenever it happens. I just think that's going to be kind of a one of its kind thing in the superhero world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was fun. And the crossover potential for like damage control and shield, I think is really good. Oh, sure. Yeah. So then the tag at the end is we find out that Blake is not all, all is right with the world. He is confined to a wheelchair because he, mm-hmm. you know, because of the damage he took from, uh, from Deathlock. Oh, and he has a nuke. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you know, he's, they kind of, they kind of allude to this earlier, but he's definitely being funded and, you know, c- controlled somewhat unbeknownst to him by, by Malik and Hydra. Right. And I loved Gira being like, you know, he's like, yeah, we can take care of these freaks. And Gaia is like, yes, those yes. freaks. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> he's just like, mm-hmm. I, I love guy. I love his personality. He's just sort of like, uh, huh. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> sure. On. You know, he can tell he's just like, sure. Little man. Well, we're freaks. Yeah. Here's your bomb. Use it on shield, and then when you're done, we're gonna kill you. <laughs> but yeah, that was, so that was it. Yeah, yeah. So next week, next week, next week's episode is called Space Time. Uh, so that'll be yeah. Which I was wondering if we would be getting the introduction of uh, Manifold, since he bends space time to teleport. But it looks like it's that Daisy gets some sort of like glimpse of the future. By yeah. touching some sort of inhuman. Yeah. <clears throat> so, not that we might still not get manifold, but, you know, I think that's probably what the title is alluding to more so. It looks like Kevin Tancherone directs next week's episode. Oh! So I did not know that. That's awesome. There's got to be some good action going on. Oh if, my god, I sure directing. hope so. Yeah. I gotta say, I feel like, you know, I think he's directed three so far, and it was really only that first one with the May versus May fight that really had an amazing fight scene. Because the next one was when Cal gets his like villain group together, and that had a couple of cool moments. Yeah. But this um, is and five. the next one was, huh? He's directed five. Total. Oh, okay. Because I know the other one was one of the very early episodes of this season. Purpose the one of where, the Machine. Yeah, it's the one where uh, um, Ward is driving the car around inside that building. Yeah, he directed that one. But yeah, I'm hoping for a really, really awesome fight scene and we also get ward in a weird new costume <laughs> yeah he's like in a sort of like duster jacket with like a turtleneck sort of a matrixy costume <laughs> yeah so i guess that'll be his hive hive wear and it looks like the team there's a shot of them like seeing him so looks like everybody knows he's alive and yep yep so yeah i, I think stuff's gonna start because uh... that's what episode 16 i believe so yeah, 15, so we're 15. getting fifteen. So we're getting close. Yep. I mean, we're getting to the point where so wars around the corner, where you know usually the last like six episodes or something are like them really getting into the story and 
if they're doing 22 this season, then, you know, we're looking at the next few episodes is when things are going to start ramping up. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think things will be slow from here on out. Agreed. All right. Well, this was a long one. We thank everybody for hanging in there. Uh, and we will be back next week. We shouldn't be delayed next week. I think I'll, I'll be I'll be on a good, good track next week. Um, and hopefully we can do part two of daredevil if not it'll be the following episode and talk about talk about space time yeah thanks everybody for listening uh head on over to mcuexchange.com where you can find this podcast as well as all of the great articles and content they got going on over at mcu exchange including on fridays the mcu exchange show Mm -hmm. and um i you know we've been doing daily reviews of all the daredevil episodes so those are all out now um but I did the first four of them, so, and then Doug uh, did a number of them as well. I think he did the last batch. So yeah, go if you're still in the middle of Daredevil and stuff, go check those out for ep- each episode review. Excellent. And then of course you can head over to hhwlod.com and find out all the podcasts we got going on over there. Uh, we have one on the DC side of the fence uh, that that the guys do over there, uh, as well as the Walking Dead. So if you're into either of those properties you could check those out um and until next week we'll see you this has been it's all connected